Hello, everyone. You are now listening to the One Week Rental Podcast with your host, Ash and Stacks. This week, Ash and I start our four-episode series of the Ghostbusters franchise. We will watch and review all the Ghostbusters movies. It's that simple. And of course, we have to start with the OG film, the original, the 1984 Ghostbusters. We will give our spoil-free review to film, then we'll go scene by scene through the plot of the movie and give our more in-depth thoughts and opinions, you know, that kind of thing. So buckle in, let's go bust some ghosts. Wait, hold on, that sounded dirtier than it needed to be. Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I want to issue a quick apology. Last week we uh, started the show off pretty aggressively by saying, uh, Stax, what was the quote? Uh, hello fuckers, I think, something like that. I think it was what's up fuckers. Yeah, we got uh, we got some pretty uh, pretty uh, choice words in the comments. Uh, people didn't like that, so um, we're gonna we're gonna start off uh, with twenty percent less aggression uh, going forward. So yeah, our, our lesson was learned. Um, the sponsor that was gonna sponsor this episode pulled out, uh, so we are starting from scratch. So Ironically, it was Trojan who pulled out. And what was it? ironically, the sponsor was Trojan who pulled out. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know what? Speaking of, speaking <laughs> of, I went to the gas station the other day and uh-huh. I saw those pills and I meant to <laughs> send you a picture of them. I forgot. I forgot that we were going to try to get sponsored by gas station boner pills and then take them on the show. Yeah. So, there was two uh, it was Slacker. I mean, sorry, Stacker 2 Swarm, Extra Energizer, and then Stacker 2 Blackjack. I mean, I'm down whenever you are. Like, we can, (laughs) I will write to these companies and uh, beg them for, you know, any sponsorship money, and uh, and then we'll take them on the show. It'll be great. Um, Okay. I am for it. So... We're gonna start off with our. Uh, what? What? Well, let's start off with what have you been watching, Stacks? Because wait, okay. wait. Let me start because you're. I know you've got a rant prepared, and I, I'm, I'm eager to get into it. I watched the first 30 minutes of the Witcher anime. Uh, I think it's called like Nightmare of the Wolf, and it was cool. And I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. There's like another 45 minutes to go, and uh, and that's all I've watched for the week because I had just a crazy busy week. Um, of I I just I was on like a trip and I went to a concert that they're called day on Sunday and so I haven't watched shit except for that which I started today so all right wait, please tell me the, wait hold on real quick so mm-hmm. the Witcher anime well, what is this I never heard of this so on Netflix there's like a hour and a half long animated movie called Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf I believe is the subtitle of it. Really? And um and it is a origin story for one of the characters. I don't even want to say who it is because it's kind of a cool reveal that uh, like I was like oh who is this like Witcher and then uh they tell you and it's really kind of cool. I'm sure if you looked up like a trailer like it's not like a big reveal. I just didn't know what it was about at all going into it other than like I like the Witcher, so I started watching it and um and then when they revealed which character it was like an origin story for I was like oh cool okay. 
Oh, oh, all right. Is it the same voice actor as is it from the TV show? No, not at all. No, oh. no. But Burr. it's cool. It's cool though. It's, it's well done. It's uh, it's pretty gory. So yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Definitely give it a go. Okay. So this week, I have. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I watched two movies. One movie wasn't that bad. It's called a. It's a movie called Zola. Have you heard of this? Yes. So yeah, I watched that. Um, for those who don't know, um, I think it was back in 2014, 15, somewhere back then. Um, this girl went on Twitter and she did a Twitter story of this crazy weekend she had, and it's absolutely bonkers. Um, I would suggest just watching the movie or just reading the Twitter story, one of the two, because it's absolutely crazy. Um, just look up Zola. Twitter story and it's really good. Um, the second movie I watched, boy, and this is the one that you're going to like. We're whatever movie you're about to talk about. I assume that we will not be doing a one week rental podcast on because you're about to just blow no. it wide open. No, no, I I am doing this movie as a PSA. I I'm, I'm not doing the movie. I am telling you about this movie as a PSA because no one should watch this movie. Because it's not a bad movie. It's just really dark and there's no upside to it. No one should watch the movie. Is this called You Martyr. watch Biodome again? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I would have rather watched Biodome. This movie put me such in a bad mood. Okay. So I'm just gonna I talked over the title. You said it was called Martyrs? Martyrs, yes. Okay. So it's a French film from two thousand seven, eight, two thousand eight. Um, it's a French film. <sighs> okay, I'm just gonna tell you the whole story. I'm telling you the whole story. Do not watch this movie because it's a bummer. Uh, me just telling you, it might just bum you out. But do not watch this movie, okay? So the does movie... this deserve like a trigger warning or anything like that? If it's a bummer, um, I guess trigger warning for abuse battery uh abuse really um nothing sexual um nothing like that the movie is do not watch the movie can't stress (laughs) that enough the movie is gory and it hurts and there's no upside to it Okay? okay so just run down the movie movie starts there's a little girl running away from a warehouse okay running away she's bruised and battered right cuts to her in this orphanage um she's made this friend but she's having like like scary visuals and visions and stuff like that of someone chasing her right um uh come to find out this warehouse that she was in they were torturing her and she was being held captive okay so she's still dealing with that trauma. Fast forward again, she's an adult, right? So she figures out who did this to her. She goes to their house. She kills the entire family. It's a mom, dad, son, daughter. They're older kids. They're not little kids. They're older kids, but kills them, right? Uh-huh. The friend that she made in the orphanage, she's like, what did you do? We have to clean this up, right? So they're trying to clean up these dead bodies. This girl, this this Asian, she's Asian, um, the Asian girl, she's seeing this figure just running around the house and is torturing her. She's the only one that's seeing this. 
but it's damaged, but it's hurting her, right? So, um, come to find out that um, these people, golly, so it's just she kills these people and come to find out the wife isn't dead. So, the friend that she brought along from the orphanage tries to help the lady. The lady is like hurting really bad, making a lot of noise. The Asian girl comes, she sees that the girl's still alive, ends up finishing up finishing off the um the wife. And she gets mad at her friend and whatever like that, but she's happy. She's at peace cuz now she knows that um she finished she got rid of the people that injured her when she was a kid that abused her, right? Yeah. Um so then trigger warning she unalives herself right then we find out that the person that was damaging her is just fake right and then the girl she's just sad she's like i messed up she calls her mom mom's like why would you call me blah 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 she's not helping the situation hangs up with her mom she hears a noise in the basement now, mind you, the friend never believed the the Asian girl. She never believed her. So, mm-hmm. but now she hears a sound in the basement. She goes down in the basement. Oh, come to find out, yeah, these people actually were torturing people, right? Goes down there, saves this girl. Um, she just thought they her. like made it up. Is that? Huh? She just thought that like she made it up or what? No, she didn't think that. She knows she actually got abused, mm-hmm. but. She didn't think this family was actually the family, right? Oh, okay. But, yeah. So come to find out they were the family. Um, so she hears a noise in the basement. She goes down there, gets the girl, cleans her up and everything like that. Girl gets upstairs. She starts freaking out, wigging out. Then all of a sudden, the girl's freaking out. Someone comes in uh, and unalives that person that was in the basement. Then a whole group of people come in and they're like, we were trying to reach this family for a while. We need to figure out. We, so we came to figure out what happened. Then they clean up the whole house. They, the girl that survived, the roommate, I mean, the friend, they're like, okay, you come with us. They take her down into the basement. They handcuff her in this chair. Then an old white lady come in, comes in and she's like, do you know what we do here? And she's like, no. She's like, okay, well, your friend, we had your friend, we captured her years ago, and we um, we did this because uh, when people are tortured enough that they get close to the edge of death and then they freaking um, see what's beyond death, right? So the whole point of this organization is to torture people okay. till they get to the point of close to death, and then they're still alive, and then they see what's beyond death. That's the whole point of this. That's why they torture these people and whatever, right? So it happened to their friend, happened to the girl in the basement. Uh-huh. They said only four people have ever done this. Um so they take the friend, they take her down, they torture her for days. Very gruesome, very brutal. Do not, I repeat, do not watch this movie. I'm telling you this story so that you don't need to watch it. <laughs> but it's very brutal. They torture her. Then she gets to the point where she 
there's like this this movie plays with you a lot it's like they set up these small things which makes you think like oh okay this is the part where our star gets away or she's whatever never gets away they get her they to give the you, point they give you a yeah. little bit like make you feel like you've got hope and then take it away yeah so they get to the point where so then they torture her to the point where she starts seeing the beyond or whatever right and the people who see the beyond they call them martyrs roll credits right and so she sees the beyond the people running the house now since they killed the family they put a new family in there they're like they call the old lady they're like hey we did it she's seeing things right old lady comes she talks to the girl she figures out what's beyond death she we don't we the audience don't hear it right so then it cuts to a bunch of fancy cars rich people all of them old all of them are old and afraid of death and they want to know what's behind what's after death so they come to this house and they're ready for this presentation of this old lady to tell for this old lady to tell them what the martyr told her and this is the first time that anybody's ever been able to communicate with a martyr and figure out what they, what actually happened. And so this old lady, she's in the room, people are waiting for her to come out and her butler or handler or whoever, she's like, are you ready? And then the old lady's like, um, yeah, um, but guess what i know what happens after death and i'm gonna take it with me and then she control alt deletes herself and the movie freaking ends there, there is no redeeming anything about this movie it's a great movie if you like it's, it's kind of a horror psychological horror so if you're into that kind of thing go for it i guess but realistically don't i just told you the whole movie please don't watch this movie because it's very very brutal and gory and it is not worth it because there is no payoff this movie is just a downer beginning to end and i was tricked to watch this movie i was told that uh it was just gonna be like a oh it's just a scary movie this girl seeing things and it's hurting her and blah 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 no okay if anybody asks you or tries to get you to watch this movie don't watch it because it will it's really messed up please don't yeah there's there's some movies out there i mean it it reminds me of and to a much lesser extent i actually like do think that the movie i'm about to talk to is is a, is a good movie but after i saw the joker movie with uh with uh joaquin phoenix yeah like it was hard to tell people to go watch it because it is so such a downer so serious it does deal with mental health and there's not there's not a, an upshot at the end of that there is no there is no like oh like you know no, yeah. At the at the end of most Batman movies with Joker being crazy and stuff, Batman punches Joker in the face. The, I mean that doesn't happen in the Joker movie like we see Batman as a kid. So and then there, it also reminds me of the, this movie called uh, Repo Men with uh, Jude Law and Forrest Whitaker, another movie that just I left the theater going like, that's not what I want out of a movie going experience. Like like Joker was actually interesting and from like a filming perspective like. 
Yeah. I think it was technically well done. And I like the storytelling. I wouldn't call the movie enjoyable. And Repo Men was, was similar, not as well done and not as not as well story told why not not as good storytelling wise but i just left the theater going like fuck like and i i don't know it's not really a feeling that i go to movies for like yeah same i I generally yeah i I don't need a happy ending i just need hope (laughs) you know like something like i don't like if i watch a sad movie like if i watch a romantic comedy i know it's sad or like a dog's purpose where you know is sad is a mm-hmm. movie about dogs dying and a dog gets reincarnated it's a sad movie you know it's going to be sad yeah but at least at the end you're like this is cool this is good i like this i cried a little bit but we moved on it was sentimental i gained something you know this was at least touching or something like that but yeah this is but there are, it's, there it's, are movies that are just devoid of that and they just leave you feeling icky yeah and I'm and I can't remember the name of it. Um, I think it's called Serbian film. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it, and I feel like this is the same yeah. as that movie. So if you, I feel like I've heard that one movie. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do not watch these movies. Yeah, I, I think movies at the end of the day should, you know, even if they're scary movies or or have dark like subject matter, they should at least, you know, be uh, like a an overall enjoyable experience i mean people it's hard to say like somebody going to see the conjuring is like a positive experience but at least you can say like oh i just went because i like that feeling of being scared and stuff like that but if if the the movie that you described doesn't even sound like it did that very well it just makes you feel shitty it's just disturbing imagery for the sake of disturbing imagery so yeah yeah. just it's pointless so i I cannot stress this enough do not Uh, watch this well i'm not gonna watch it (laughs) yeah but on the other hand, I did watch Child's Play. I know this is the third week of me, the third episode of me saying, "Go watch Child's Play." It is that really show good. is that show is still chugging along, doing well. You're, yes. you're enjoying it, okay? I love it. You know what I will have to talk about next week is probably uh, the the I almost called it a reboot. It's not a reboot. The Dexter new spinoff show. It's not. Is it a spinoff if it's basically the same thing as the original? It's just. A different series with the same character i don't know we'll see yeah i don't know i think didn't um uh firefly not firefly but like um what's that movie people like with the guy i don't know but well, like, well if you are talking about firefly firefly was a tv show that uh you know basically got canceled but came back by by popular demand as a as a movie to wrap up the story called serenity maybe that's what i'm thinking of but yeah, yeah it was like that kind of but another tv show yeah yeah i don't know it's like yeah it's not just like the next season of dexter i think it's called like dexter new blood or something like that and it picks up uh years after where the first uh the first series ended so i'm interested to watch it my sister and my mom have been like they're they're big dexter fans and they're like oh my god like dexter's coming back like can't wait i'm like it's not gonna be good like even dexter in its last three seasons three four seasons were not was not good so i i don't think this will be good i'm kind of keeping my expectations low for it so i'm gonna go watch it but i you know it might be good just because my expectations are set so low so we'll see yeah Um, i've i've never seen dexter and i've also never seen you people are going crazy over you right now i've seen season one of you 
which was season one was season one was good it was entertaining it does make you feel a bit icky because it's yeah similar to similar to dexter it's like you're inside the head of basically a bad guy for the for the whole thing and i kind of bailed on season two um but i was just talking to a friend uh who said that season two and season three of you are are great so i might be going back to that at some point okay i yeah i've never seen it people just you season three you season you know whatever and i'm just like yeah okay and i see memes and i don't get them so you know yeah yeah it's uh I enjoyed season one enough that I, I, you know, I really should give season two and three a try, I guess. So we'll see. Okay. Um, but I guess that concludes the uh, what have we been watching portion. Thank you for telling us all about stuff that made us feel icky. And if anybody's still listening, we're going to get into some lighter subject matter with our spoiler free reviews of Ghostbusters. And if, if you don't mind, I think I will kick this off. Go for it. This movie sucks ass i hate it it's horrible it's the worst movie ever no i'm kidding this movie's fucking amazing like it's it's great and i didn't realize going into this how much of it how much uh ghostbusters is a bill murray movie because i do think of it as um uh as a bill murray dan Aykroyd, and what's it what's his name harold Ramis? His name is Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Ramis? I think of it as them equally sharing time, but like, I feel like we do spend a lot more time with Bill Murray in this film than we do with with any of the other characters, and it is kind of, he is the protagonist, I feel like. I feel like he is like, he's our main character, for sure. Um, So much of the the plot revolves around him and and Sigourney Weaver's character and blah, blah, which we'll get into. But um, but I I, I didn't remember that. And then I was also watching it and I was like, man, he's got all the best lines in this. Like, I think I I love all the characters in this movie. Um, I think Harold Ramis's character, Egon Spangler, is is hands down my favorite. I just love his dry delivery of stuff, of of his lines, Um, the dry humor of it. He's he's very... He's the very straight man character, and he's and I think he crushes it at that. Um, so uh, I, I thought his lines were were funny and, and appealed to me the most. But Vankman, uh, Bill Murray's character, crushes it, and and he's got all the best one liners. I feel like in this film, um, I think it's an amazing performances top to bottom. Uh, like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis for sure. Sigourney Weaver's great. Fucking. Um, uh, Rick Moranis crushes it, and then William yeah, Atherton as our bad guy is is great. So, so is this movie connected to? Wait, who's the bad guy? Who'd you say? Uh, William Atherton. Are, are you gonna okay, ask? Okay. Tell me, tell me, you're gonna ask. The, does this movie connect to our our the one yeah. week rental cinematic universe? Yeah. Uh, the OWRCU. Uh, yeah. it does. It does. <laughs> it does link into the OWRCU, um, because William Atherton plays, uh, Walter Peck. Uh, and William Atherton is the same guy who played Noah, uh, Noah. I forget the guy's last name, but he's the, the evil scientist in, in biodome. Uh, yes. and Faulkner. Noah Faulkner, yes. So William Atherton plays both uh, Walter Peck and and Noah Faulkner. Um, but get this, I feel like this goes even a, a layer deeper in uh, Biodome. He's the scientist who's 
primary concern is saving the world through environmental means and and uh, reversing the damage that humans have done. And in this one, he's like a director of like the EPA. So I feel like it totally ties in. I feel like it's the it same does. character, same character in my book. And uh, and so uh, we have just. I, there's no way that we can do this again. I feel like, but uh, yeah, all of uh, yeah, Waterworld, Biodome, Ghostbusters, same universe. Same universe, and there is another universe this movie might be in. I will talk about it when we get in depth. Oh, I think I know where this is going, but I'm I'm yeah. excited for it. Okay, I'm excited for it. Um, and then as I was doing research for this and I, I saw a little bit of this last week when we were doing Biodome, um, that William Atherton guy, he plays all of your favorite bad guys. Um, I actually found out that when I was researching this that uh, William Atherton was supposed to be uh, uh, Michael Rooker's character in Mallrats, which is like when I was talking about Biodome, I, I referenced Mallrats because Biodome is just an uh, unlikable version of, of Mallrats. Um, William Atherton was actually supposed to be in Mallrats as Michael Rooker's character, uh, Brandy Svenning's father. Uh, he was supposed to be in that, and he turned it down because he didn't want to be seen as that like asshole character anymore that he is in this movie than he is in Biodome. Um, but he turned down fucking Mallrats for Biodome. He's like, I don't want to be the asshole anymore, and then he goes and does Biodome immediately afterwards where he's that asshole character. So... Uh, he a guy who very much is typecast, but and uh, I, I was reading some trivia that um, that he gets a lot of flack for it. Uh, that he um, he was like harassed by children calling him dickless or something like that based on this movie. And what? Uh, yeah, uh, the let me see. Uh, I'm trying to find the find the piece of trivia here. Ivan Reitman recalls running into William Atherton, who plays Walter Peck, about a year after the film came out. Instead of warmly greeting Reitman, Atherton was genuinely angry and upset, telling the director he couldn't even go into a bar without people wanting to pick a fight with him. People would scream at him in public. Likewise, Ramis recalls Atherton telling him about a time when he was walking in downtown New York and a bus of tourists called, yelled dickless at him. Okay, I thought it was a bus of kids, but it was a bus of tourists yelled dickless at him. So, uh, I think he felt it after this, which is really a shame just because like he did a good job like you look at people like Christoph Waltz and like Inglorious Inglorious Bastards and it's like oh I fucking hate him I want to punch him in the face but you know that that's just because he's doing a good job he's evoking emotion in you and and so I feel so bad that this William Atherton guy caught so much flack for basically just being good at his job so yeah yeah. He was also the uh, reporter in the Die Hard movies. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, and he yeah. kind of is a very similar character. Um, speaking of Die Hard, I do want to mention that one of the things that makes Ghostbusters so significant, I think, is that it is a giant action set piece film um, that is a comedy. And I feel like... I feel like this laid the groundwork for a lot of movies that came after it as I'm thinking about it, I feel like it's in the same vein as Indiana Jones. Um, because Indiana Jones, uh, I think... What, what what year did the first Indiana Jones movie come out? When did Raiders of the Lost Ark come out? Um, confession. I'm Googling it on the fly. Oh, don't even do this. To, don't even... I, confession. 
Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981. Confession. Uh, hang on one second. One okay. second, real quick. Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark is a giant set piece action film with comedy elements, but I feel like uh, it's more of an action adventure than a comedy, whereas Ghostbusters is more of a comedy, and it is a big budget comedy film, which I don't think was being done at the time. And I, I just, I find it really fascinating for what it did because I feel like uh, that it goes on to inspire things like Die Hard and stuff like that. Okay, give me your confession. Never seen them. Uh, any of the Indiana Jones movies? None of them. Right. Never had any interest. I wish you wouldn't I'm make awful. confessions like this on the podcast where we're supposed to be <laughs> so, somewhat, not experts, but knowledgeable. That, that makes it good, you know, so when I watch it and I can give a genuine, you know. Yeah. So that's going on the list right away. Right after we finish uh, Matrix, I feel like we need to get into the uh, Indiana Jones films. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that uh, that's exciting, though. You, you at the, the ripe old age of, what, how old are you, 52? 52, you get to watch all of the Raider, all of the Indian, Indiana Jones movies for the first time with adult, fresh eyes. It'll be great. Yeah, I, I've i seen the iconic scenes, you know, switch mm-hmm. the diamond with the bag and the rocks rolling and people get melted. Yep, that's I've all Raiders that. of the Lost Ark. <laughs> that's all in one movie? Mm-hmm. So I, I've pretty much seen that movie. I've seen all the good parts, right? And there's uh, three really good Indiana Jones movies. Uh, I'm excluding, of course, like I'm excluding, more. of course, The Last Crusade. Okay. Because yeah. uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is the best one. That's the 2008 one with uh, Shia LaBeouf, everybody's favorite. Uh, yeah. So, is that real? Are you? No, 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 no. That, no, it's fucking Kingdom of the Crystal Skull sucks ass. And nobody likes it. Oh, okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like pre-crazy uh, Shia LaBeouf. So I figured, hey, maybe. Yeah, and and I would actually, I would give you a a breakdown or like what my rankings would be, but I feel like we should save that because I think uh, at the end of each of like Ghostbusters is our first series that we're reviewing. Mm-hmm. I think at, at the end of each of these, we should rank them. And obviously, Ghostbusters 1984 is the one we're talking about today. That's going to be the only one that we're, we're able to talk to. Um, so that one will go straight to number one. But at the end of Ghostbusters 2, we can talk about rankings. And then uh, when Afterlife comes out, we'll do that. And then, um, you know, maybe if we watch another Ghostbusters movie after that. Oh. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I'm teasing it now. So if you said it in your intro and I didn't hear that you already said, like, we're doing it, then. Uh... I now I don't remember. Uh, I'll forget it. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> we'll find out. Edit it in post. All right. So. Uh, I will do no such thing. You have not given me your spoiler free review of, uh, oh. of Ghostbusters. So I have not seen this movie since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And. And then, and even then, I think I've seen this movie a handful of times. So it wasn't really my movie. Ghostbusters 2 was my movie. I love that one. Just, I don't know why. But this one, I went into it like, okay, Ghostbusters, I kind of remember it. But then actually watch him say, oh man, this movie freaking rocks. Okay. It's great. Bill Murray's great. I've never seen okay. Ghostbusters 2, so I think I'll have the... 
We'll oh, see. So we'll see how we'll see how I'm affected by by Ghostbusters two. I'm surprised to hear that you watch Ghostbusters two so much more than you did Ghostbusters one. Yeah, um, it's just I you know in thinking about Ghostbusters one when I I mean Ghostbusters two like when I first started when I first was watching it a lot when I was little I kind of remember me thinking that was the first one and then ghostbusters one was the second one and i didn't like that one that much i think that's probably why i watched two more often and that's someone's alarm going off behind me so sorry if that's being picked up on the mic i hear um, a bit so it probably is but <laughs> no big deal yeah just a little background music mm -hmm. so i um i love this movie it looks really good um the freaking okay i won't go into too much but there's just like like you said it's like a big action piece or whatever like that there's just things that happen i'm just like this was in 1984 i'm just like holy crap this looks good you know yeah. uh -huh. like for the time you know the ghosts look good some creepy like ghost looking face and stuff like that it's like wow this movie is crushing it uh bill murray kicks ass uh egon kicks ass dance cook kicks ass annie potts um as janine in this movie mm -hmm. gorgeous sigourney weaving sigourney weaver in this movie gorgeous uh freaking ernie hudson in this movie daddy like i love everybody <laughs> in this movie it's like this movie is so i don't know i can't say anything more than this freaking great um the acting's so good. Bill Murray's funny. There's some time, there were some points in this movie where it's like, okay, Bill Murray's doing the Bill Murray thing. Like sometimes he Bill Murray's it up a little bit too much. But I think me thinking that is probably just from later movies with you know other Bill Murray movies that I've seen where he's just like he Bill Murray's it a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's just kind of like was just kind of in my head on some certain things in this movie but overall this movie is a freaking 10 out of 10 i loved it all right then without further ado let's get into the plot uh scene by scene breakdown so that we can talk about ghostbusters 1984 um this I'm movie ready. this movie is as i said came out in 1984 uh stars bill murray dan Aykroyd, sigourney weaver harold ramis rick moranis uh, I'd throw Ernie Hudson in there because he is one of the Ghostbusters. In my head, I, in my Daddy. head, I always think of Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and, and Harold Ramis. But you know, I think that's just because I haven't seen two, and and that's where you know Winston Zeddemore is only in this one for a few scenes. It feels like he, he gets yeah. introduced pretty late. Um, and the which, scenes he's in, the character yeah. doesn't want to be there. He's like. I don't even know these guys. I just <laughs> exactly, yeah, no, um, which is funny, just because you know, in in the research and probably the first bit of trivia that we have is that uh, Winston Zeddemore was initially like introduced in page twenty six of the script, and I think it got bumped to page sixty five or something like that. His uh, his role was drastically reduced, and I think we'll get to the part where Vankman says, you know, he slimed me. That was initially a. Uh, uh, line for Winston Zeddemore and he was going to show up way sooner. Um, I did see a piece of trivia that directly conflicts with what uh, I, I heard in the, um, the... If you go watch the movies that made us on Netflix, that's a great series and 
the Ghostbusters episode is really good. Uh, Dan Aykroyd says that the the characters were originally written for uh, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy would have been Bill Murray's character. I saw a piece of trivia that said that Eddie Murphy was going to be Winston Zeddemore, but I don't think that that's right. And I because I don't think that they they cast Winston Zeddemore that early. I think he I think that you know when Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis were writing it. Um, even I think even before that, you know, Dan Aykroyd started writing this, and it seemed like it was all over the place. It was in space, and there were aliens, and all mm-hmm. that, blah blah blah. Um, he had John Belushi and, and Eddie Murphy in mind for the roles. So even by the time that Harold Ramis came on board, uh, by that time John Belushi had passed away, and mm-hmm. uh, they they were already reworking the script. And I know that uh, you know they eventually get um, he got Harold Ramis on board. Harold Ramis. <laughs> I, I read a line which that I thought was funny because it said Harold Ramis, um, you know, after like writing on the script, decided that he was the only one who could play Egon Spangler, which is reminds me of that guy from Jeopardy, the co-host of Jeopardy, who uh, um, oh, they were trying to pick a host, and he's like the executive producer, and he's like, well, after an extensive research, after extensive searching, um, I've decided I'm the only one who can do the job. So, <laughs> so it's such a freaking cartoon villain thing to say totally reminded me of that but i was like nah like i can't see anybody but harold ramus in this role he does such a good job as egon spangler everybody does a good job i think harold ramus crushes it as as his character i think he does just amazing work um so so yeah so there was originally yeah Mm -hmm. real quick i don't with eddie murphy uh being in this I don't even though that was peak Eddie Murphy where Eddie Murphy was really good at the time, I don't think this would have been good with Eddie Murphy in it at all. Just because I don't think his his like character doesn't like the way he acts is too I think it would have been too much because of Egon is so cool and and freaking um Bill Murray's character is deadpan. And I think with Eddie Murphy being there, it would have been like way too much. So I'm glad yeah. it didn't end up with him. He would have been he would have been Peter Vankman and he would have been the primarily the comic relief, which I think would have been fun. I could see him doing a lot of the stuff that Bill Murray did, but it would have been a very different vibe. Yeah. Um I would love to find the the you know Rick's portal gun from from Rick and Morty and go to a parallel universe where that movie did get made to see what that looks like, but uh, it would have been it would have been different. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got slimed. He's slimed me, man. He's slimed me. I, I'm just thinking of uh, Axel Foley, basically. As it's just it's just his character from Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, as a Ghostbuster, which I mean, I think it would have been great. It would have been different, though. Yeah. Especially because Bill Murray is the star of this movie. Like I said, uh, it it would have been a very different feeling. And also, another part of trivia piece of trivia is that like Bill Murray ad libbed most of his lines, and he would do multiple takes, and they would just pick their favorite. Um, there's there's quite a few lines in this movie that are iconic. That are just him throwing shit at the wall. Like when they walk out of the ballroom and he says, "We came, we saw, we kicked its ass." Totally ad libbed. Uh, yeah. Pretty sure the pretty sure the we'll get to the dickless comment later. Uh, I'm pretty sure like all of his best lines in this movie are ad libbed. So yeah. Um, okay, I, I so all that too. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. throughout the movie, I just tried to find, just try to pick out which ones were 
ad libbed, and I think they are. They probably oh. it was probably a hundred percent really. Yeah, that the the movies that made us that had like multiple different takes from from different shots of different lines that he delivered, and yeah, they're great. Um, cool. So. Runtime is an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, last week we watched Biodome, which had a Rotten Tomatoes score of 4%. Uh, this one has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 97%, so I think uh, I think these movies are exact opposites. <laughs> um, this, this movie's only missing the 4% that Biodome had uh, to make it a 101% film. Um, it's directed by Ivan Reitman, who went on to direct... Um, he directed and produced a bunch of movies, uh, some with Bill Murray, um, some with Harold Ramis. Let me let me grab this real quick, just because I think he's got a pretty prolific career that I'd like to I'd like to mention. Uh, and I think he did. I, I know a few of them off the top of my head. I just don't want to misspeak. So uh, he was a producer on uh, producer on Space Jam, which is one of my personal favorites. Uh, producer of. Uh, Ghostbusters 2, um, he was a producer on Ghostbusters, he was a producer on Stripes, he was a producer on Animal House, um, and then he was a director for uh, Stripes, Meatballs, Ghostbusters, um, Ghostbusters 2, Kindergarten Cop, and his son is Jason Reitman, who is the director of Afterlife, and uh, Jason Reitman also directed, uh, I think, Thank You for Smoking, um, and a few other films. So, so yeah. Afterlife is that the movie with uh, Will Smith and Jaden Smith? No, I apologize. I mean Ghostbusters Afterlife. So the new Ghostbusters oh, okay. is actually directed by the son of the original director. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. He also did uh, Up in the Air. Thank you for smoking, Juno, and. Uh, like I said, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which comes out later this month. So, yeah, I, th I think that it's kind of cool to, to see him uh, in a movie that is very much an homage to Ghostbusters, from what we can tell. Um, in all the trailers, you know, we see Act-01. We, we know that they're uh, these are the descendants of Harold Ramis that are kind of the, the main characters. And, and um, yeah, so really looking forward to Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I think that that's a kind of a cool tie-in that uh, Jason Reitman is the is the director. Um, the movie is written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Originally, it was written by Dan Aykroyd. He's got a lot of, uh, like, occult family history, like uh, parapsychology, par paranormal, uh, you know, uh, theme in his family. Um he yeah. kind of used what he, you know, saw and learned as a kid to, to write this. And then uh, when he eventually connected with uh, Ivan Reitman to, you know, Ivan Reitman grounded the story a lot more and asked him if he wanted to work with Harold Ramis. They brought Ramis on board and and then the rest is history. Cool. Yeah. I um he's like. I feel like people respect Dan Aykroyd, but like, I don't feel like he gets the credit that he deserves because he's written a lot of good movies. Oh yeah. I think he's, I think he's good. I, I, I don't know uh, what other writing credits he had, but uh, I mean, other than like maybe Coneheads. Uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah. Like. The Blues Brothers is a big one. Uh, writer for Blues Brothers. Uh, Saturday Night Live. The good, yep. the, the good stuff on Saturday Night Live. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Coneheads and 
trying to think. Yeah, he had some. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's the the really cool part about Ghostbusters too is that it is like they talk a lot about in in the movies that made us about how this was Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd from Saturday Night Live in their city doing their thing, and it was a big deal. And yeah, it's it's a a lot of fun. And Harold Ramis too uh, was also from Saturday Night Live. So. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's really cool. I, I actually really like what this movie meant at the time and what it means now. So, without further ado, what do you say we actually get into the plot of this? Yeah, let's go for it. We get kind of a sweeping shot that turns into an upshot of the New York Public Library. We see a librarian inside is going to organize some books, and some spooky books float from shelf to shelf, and drawers start to open, and library cards shoot everywhere. And this old woman starts to book it. She's running, and she rounds the corner, uh, and she sees something, and we get a flash, and then it's right into the Ghostbusters title. We get the best song in film history. Uh, yeah, this, this song is so great. So great. So great. And, I love it. And this part's a little spooky. I mean, it's played like a horror film, which is at, at this part and then in the next scene that we're going to get to, um, I was like, yo, I'm a little bit scared. And I was like, if this keeps up, I, I feel like somebody lied to me and told me this was a comedy and it's and it's actually kind of scary because it, it starts out pretty scary and it's all ominous music at the start of this. It's not... It, it, it's got a very claustrophobic feeling as we're following her through the the basement of the library and yeah. it's it's almost got a more shining vibe than anything else where it just feels very tight and she's kind of making these turns and you don't know what's going to be around each corner so um yeah it's it's actually played pretty scary at, at first and then we get the flash and then the music comes in and you're like oh okay it lightens up a bit um we cut to Columbia University Department of Paranormal Studies. On the door, it says Vankman Burn in Hell, which I thought was funny. And then we see on the door Dr. Peter Vankman, uh, Dr. Ray Stance, and Dr. Egon Spangler, of course, are three main Ghostbusters until we get Winston Zeddemore later. Uh, and Dr. Peter Vankman is testing subjects on their paranormal abilities. Um, he asks uh, a guy what's on on a card that he's holding up that he that the the guy can't see um he says circle and he says oh it's a star and he shocks him and then he asks the girl what's on the card and she says uh star and it's a square and he doesn't reveal that it's not a star and he says you you done a fantastic job he's like you nailed it and doesn't shock her and i'm like i know what's happening here already this is this is this is bill murray or uh, dr peter bankman's uh shtick this is how he he meets women um yeah. and there's no uh there's no attempt at having an actual uh, experiment here right from the get-go because i was thinking like maybe they're a little bit of the ways into this and he's given up on the the experiment no no no. he says he says you're oh for five or something to the guy and or he says you're five for five to the girl at a certain point and i'm like oh they just started this was his whole plan he just out yeah. of the gate started shocking him and and trying to sleep with her well, um yeah. Well, so actually, so he, so when the guy gets pissed off that he keeps getting shocked, yeah. Um, Bill Murray says, um, "Oh, this is an experiment to see if negative reinforcement increases your chance for uh, psychic abilities or whatever like that." Yeah. <laughs> which ends up being a successful experiment because the last card that the guy did 
he got it right. Yeah. So, and, like, but then I, he punished him for it again. So he, yeah. he, even though he gets it right, he still shocks him. So yeah. I don't know but, if he's actually that interested in the in the science. <laughs> yeah, I thought it. I thought it was like, oh wow, Bill Murray's. <laughs> He's a genius. He's this, 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 this successful. It's successful. Yeah, I know. And then the guy says, uh, you know, we're paying you, aren't we? Or uh, Peter Bankman says, we're paying you, aren't we? And he says, he says, you know what? Keep your $5. And Bankman uh, says, we will. And then he looks at the girl and says, see, this is the kind of vitriol, like your your uh, ability will inspire in others. Like, you, like you have to be careful, basically. <laughs> um, he says, this is the kind of hate your ability is going to bring out in people. <laughs> Um, we're introduced to Ray Stance who walks in jabbering about UV lenses and full torso vaporous apparitions and Bankman walks over and does like a jump kind of smack on the top of his head out of view of the girl and uh, says he's in the middle of something uh, Ray explains to Bankman uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch back and forth between first and last names it's Ray Stance is Dan Aykroyd uh, Peter Bankman is Bill Murray so for the sake of this, uh, for the sake of this scene, um, Ray explains to Peter that Egon went down to the library and he's got some readings and that they need to head down to the library right away. Vankman says, you head down there right away and get back to me on this. I'm in the middle of something here. And then he says, no, we, we've got to go. And Vankman sits down and, and, uh, starts to reschedule with the girl. And she says, how about eight o'clock? And he goes, that's what I was just about to say. You truly are amazing. And it's really great. And, uh, he reschedules with, with her. Um, they head over to the library uh, as they walk through the door, they're they're talking talking shop, and uh, Spangler is like has a um, Egon Spangler has a stethoscope, and he's just like listening to a table, and Bill Murray walks up behind him. Uh, uh, Peter Vinkman walks up behind him, grabs a book and slams it on the table, and Egon actually not even pissed, <laughs> just kind of like is mildly annoyed with him. But uh, I also read that. It was it was how Harold Ramis wanted to play the characters that he doesn't smile throughout this whole movie. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, he's super. He's cool. awesome. I love him. Uh, they go to see the librarian who was previously spooked by the uh, the ghost in the in the beginning, um, and Ray is stoked. He's cannot wait. He's very excited. Uh, Vakeman asks the woman if she's got a history of mental illness in her family she says her her uncle used to think that he was saint jerome and bankman says i'm gonna mark that as a big yes <laughs> or and then uh and then i think he goes on to imply or he asks just straight up if she's menstruating and the manager of the library gets offended by that and he says do you remember the line i don't remember he says back off man i'm a scientist <laughs> Which uh, he basically uh, says the most insulting thing to a woman that you could say after she's experienced something and then uh, yeah. backs it up by being a scientist, um, which I don't think uh, works. But, you know, in this, <laughs> he plays it in so note, he plays in it note, in a certain way that it's funny. And I like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> in my notes, I said, what the hell does that have to do with it? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. <it's> like, what? <laughs> He's just trying to paint her as crazy or, yeah. or going through something. Because he, does, he doesn't believe it. He's very much the skeptic. Yeah. What I like about this movie is that everybody kind of sticks to their, like, the characters are, are kind of well-defined. Uh, Vankman throughout the whole film is a 
cynical kind of sarcastic uh guy we, we're gonna get a scene later on that kind of outlines really who his character is um but we've already seen it spangler is very um by the book like very math like very sciencey very straightforward um not a lot of like uh like doesn't get very excited not not very um you know not a very uh upbeat kind of guy and then um ray is just constantly like stoked just stoked to be there and, and later on when they they find the uh what will, will, will later be their office they he's he's uh he's very much enjoying it so they all stick to those characters and i i appreciate it and i i like all of them in their own way um, they head down to the basement to take a look for this, uh, this vaporous apparition who we find out is a, uh, it's, it's a torso. Um, and the, I think the librarian says, yeah, it must have had arms because it reached out for me. Um, so they head down to the basement and they, they observe a, a stack of books and Ray says, this is just like the something, something incident. I forget what he says exactly. Um, he's like, look at this. And Vakeman goes, yeah, no human would stack books this way, which I thought was like a clever little bit of cynicism from him. I like that. He's yeah. just not buying it while the other guys are, are kind of, uh, really into it. And then they find, uh, actually we get a great line from Ray stands here where he says, uh, uh he says like he he says something like wait listen you smell that or something like that yeah. or like wait look it's it's a weird <laughs> it's like, a weird thing yeah you smell something yeah, yeah. i wrote that down because i love yeah. that I, I like that line a lot too there's a lot of little things here and like you'll miss them if like i almost feel like you need to watch this movie a couple times just to appreciate everything because that symmetrical book stacking joke I was still laughing at and I missed totally what Ray said until I went back and when I'm when I'm uh, typing up the plot for these movies I'll, I'll go back and watch things a bunch of times so I was actually able to appreciate stuff like that um, they find one of the drawers that previously held library cards and it is covered in ectoplasm at least I'm choosing to believe that it's ectoplasm because anything else is really gross and Ray tells uh, tells uh, uh, Vankman to collect it and he kind of lazily does it in his Vankman way and uh, this part was all uh, ad-libbed by, by uh, Bill Murray where he is kind of like lazily like sloppily like scooping the ectoplasm and then he uh He's like trying to get it off of his hand and the stuff's going everywhere. It like gets in his eye. Uh, he wipes it on some books and then it gets on like his shoe and he wipes that off. It's like, it's, it's very funny. Yeah. And it's, it's the kind of thing that you have to ad lib because I don't think that they could, they could plan out how, yeah, where this stuff was going to go. It works so good. Cause it's just so realistic. Like that's exactly how I would. <laughs> like He's crazy. Someone asked me to do that. Yeah. It's amazing. Great. Yeah. Perfect. It's awesome. Um, they follow their little meter around, which I think is called a PKE meter, I want to say. Um, they follow their little meter around the library, and Spangler says, it's here! They see the full torso operation, and Vakeman says, so what do we do? And everybody kind of looks back at him, and they don't know. And then I think uh, this is where uh, Bill Murray grabs, uh, uh, Vakeman grabs Stance by the ear and drags him into the to the aisle and says, Francine, come over here. And, uh, and then they, they have a talk about what they're going to do. And uh, Stan says somebody should talk to it. And they both look at Vankman because that, that's what he does. Uh, and he walks over and he says, so where are you from? Like, he says, like, I'm Dr. Peter Vankman. Like, where are you from? Or something like that. And she shushes him. And he kind of retreats back to to the group. And they, uh, they reassess. And Stan says, okay, I've, I've got it. Follow me. 
and then they walk over towards uh, the full torso apparition and says like get her and they like start to like reach for her and then she turns into this giant scary ghost monster and we cut to them running away out of the out of the front of the library um as the manager of the library says like uh like did you find it did you get it and they said uh they said we'll get back to you i think is what is what uh bankman yells yeah it's pretty I, great that scene like it was like it reminded me of the scene in uh Pee-wee when he's riding with Large Marge and she's like, and he looked just like this. And it makes that and she makes that face. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have it's legit that? no, I have not I have not seen any oh. Pee-wee Herman. No. Oh, it's so good. It's as a child, that visual of her turning into like this hideous monstrous face. Where she's telling this scary story, you have to watch the movie. I think Pee Wee, um, I think Pee Wee Herman had fallen out of favor by the time that I was uh, old enough to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah. It's really you can go back and watch it. It's really good, but that scene just reminded me of that part with uh, yeah. Large Marge. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I, it's really scary when it happens in in Ghostbusters. Like it's actually pretty scary looking ghost thing and. And yeah, I, I was uh, I was a little bit worried about what was going to be what was coming in this movie because it's been a while since I've seen Ghostbusters. I've I've seen it a handful of times, but not any time recently. So uh, I was I was a little bit concerned, but yeah. Um, so they book it out the front door. They tell the manager they'll get back to him, and we cut over to Columbia University. And Spangler has worked out that according to his readings, they can catch and hold a ghost. Uh, they learned that their grant has been revoked by Dean, uh, man, what is this guy's name? It's Dean something. Uh, cause he's like, like, not like his name is Dean, but he's the Dean of the college. Uh, da, 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 da. let me see. I'm going to find it for us. I, Dean, I had it up. Sorry, Dean Yeager, 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 Yeager. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, he lets them know that their grant has been cut and that they're going to be removed from the campus or being moved off campus. And then the, do, the dean is very rude to them. Um, and there's a there's actually a great line here where uh, I don't have it written down, unfortunately, but uh, the dean says you're getting kicked off campus and uh, Bankman says, what for? And the dean lays out like three really good reasons and he's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he just is like, he just agrees basically with what he says. But this is where he, he lays out who Bankman's character is, which is that he says, uh, uh, your, your hypotheses are, are like trite nonsense or something like that. Um, he, you're more in, into science for the, for the hustles, uh, basically. Like you're into science as a hustle. Um, which is very much what Bankman's character is. We'll see later on that um, when they start to get into the ghost busting business, that he's all about the merchandising of it and and growing it as a as a business opportunity. So, um, whereas Egon and Ray are more about the science of actually catching ghosts, and that's their their passion. Um, Bankman tells Stance that it's fate telling them to go private, and Ray says Ray has a great line here where he says, "Ah, oh, you've you've never worked in the private sector. They expect results." Um, they go to the bank and they take out like a third mortgage on Ray's house to get the money to start their business. And there's a funny line here where he goes, "Like you didn't even try to negotiate with them. We got like a 19% rate." <laughs> and uh, the fact the idea of somebody paying 19% interest is. Uh, hilariously bad to me it's pretty bad 
I, I like that uh, he says something to the effect of like, my parents left me that house. I was born in that house. Yeah, I, I like that part too. And I like when Egon's like, Egon just has the calculator and he's like, uh, what did he say? Like the first year you would have paid like $94,000 in interest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. And, uh, oh, actually that reminds me. In the, one of the funny parts is when they're in the, they're trying to work out what to do um, in the library, you know, after uh, Bill Murray tries to say hi to the ghost and gets turned away from by it, uh, he goes back to the to the aisle, and um, Egon pulls out like a calculator and and uh, Venkman knocks it out of his hand and says, "Stop that!" <laughs> yeah. I, I love that he's like trying to do his little calculations. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, so after they sell the house, uh, they need to look for a potential office space because now they're getting into business as the Ghostbusters. Uh, they look for a potential office space, and Egon, yeah, yeah, Egon says it's uh, it's shitty. Like basically, they're they're checking out this rundown uh, fire station. It looks like, and uh, Bankman asks Spangler what you know what he what his assessment of it is, and uh, he says that the. There's metal fatigue on all the load-bearing structures. He says that um, the wiring doesn't support what they need in order for their for their work, and he says that it's in the neighborhood that looks like a demilitarized zone. But then Ray Stance finds the uh, finds the fireman's pole and asks if this fireman's pole still works. Takes the slide down. It says this is great. We'll take it, and uh, and then implies that they should. Uh, he suggests that they sleep in it that night to get to know it, and yeah. uh, and this is where like. I feel like all of their characters are, are really on display and, and to see Ray as excited as he is, is, is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I did write in my notes that um, Ray, um, not Ray, Stance uh, fumbled the bag because I felt like they were trying to like negotiate oh, yeah. the price down. Yeah. And then he's just like, I love it. I love yeah. it. Let's take it. Even the though agent. he just complained about, not neg- about Ray not negotiating the interest rate, but then Pete, he's like, let's Peter. go. Yeah. So it's Ray Stance and Peter Venkman. Oh. Don't, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, don't want to confuse sorry. everybody. Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, he, you know, they're, they're like skeptical about it. And then Ray's all excited and the agent just has it in her face. I'm basically like, I, I got you. <laughs> like she knows it, like that they're, they're going to take it and that there's nothing they could do to argue. Um, yeah. so they take it and, uh, we cut over to uh, Security Weaver's character. Her name is Dana. Last name Dana Barrett. Uh, Dana Barrett arrives home uh, from the grocery store. I would imagine because she's got some groceries. Uh, Lewis invites her in for a mineral water. Uh, and Lewis is a fantastic character. Every time Rick Moranis is on screen, he steals the show in this. And apparently, a lot of his stuff was ad libbed too. And and like. This movie just has so many great comedic minds from the time that it's it. I, I love, I love every one of these characters in a different way, and and Rick Moranis like hams it up the entire time that he's in the in the in the film. Um, he invites her in for a mineral water, tells her that he, he's uh, having a party, and invites her. Um, and when Sigourney Weaver's character Dana Barrett arrives at her apartment, she walks through the door, and there's an ad for the Ghostbusters on her TV, and she thinks that's curious, and and um, no no idea if she's noticed things previously. But when she goes to the kitchen, she sets down the groceries on the counter, and uh, the egg carton flips open, and all of the eggs start to pop, and there's egg flying everywhere, and it's cooking on the counter. 
And a fun piece of trivia about this uh, I heard was that like they they had tried different ways to to get this effect, and the only way that they could figure out how to do it was to get heat. So I think that that uh, that countertop is actually like heated so that they like pop and cook on the uh, on the the counter when they they explode. And this is our first uh, inkling that something is uh, paranormal is happening in her apartment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, when, so when she sees the commercial for the Ghostbusters, yeah. uh, some trivia that happened there is that originally they wanted to, um, they originally wanted uh, the Marshmallow Stay Puff Marshmallow Man commercial to play right after that and then yeah. fade away, right? But then uh -huh. they decided, nah, that's a little bit too much, and then they just subtly like placed it right beside the eggs and i thought that was pretty cool when i saw that trivia yeah it's funny like <laughs> she's buying like she's got the marshmallows on the counter there and i was like why is she just buying marshmallows because i was trying to work out why somebody is buying and like i think they're the big marshmallows yeah. and i was trying to figure out why somebody buys big marshmallows if you live in an apartment because you can't make s'mores like yeah. in an apartment that was also, that was <laughs> that's the only thing i know about... yeah oh go ahead I was also just confused about how much food she had as a single person in this apartment. Because yeah. like, when she opened up the cabinets to put stuff away, I'm just yeah. like, holy crap, she has a bunch of food for someone who lives by themselves. And we see later, she's got a big-ass fridge, and it's stocked. Yeah. And she's, like, uh, even uh, Vankman comments on how much junk food she has. So maybe she just loves junk food. Um, but, yeah, I, I wish my my fridge was that full and my fridge has been that full once or twice but mostly with beer so i feel like she had a lot of beer in her refrigerator too when they looked inside of it she had a lot of coke uh like coca-cola oh, coke. okay well, she had a lot I of coca remember, cans. yeah i in this movie i have a mm -hmm. thing with cigarettes <laughs> and in this movie everybody's smoking a cigarette all the time yeah and there's budweiser everywhere are you are you and a previous smoker Yes. <laughs> okay. So this movie's probably pretty rough because everybody looks cool as shit in this movie smoking a cigarette. Do. And do. I don't smoke, but I just like the way that like throughout the entire film, Ray Stance has a, a cigarette just hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Um so the eggs pop open and they start to cook on the counter and uh she hears a growl and we she looks in the fridge and I'm trying to find where I am in my notes. Uh I am going off of memory here. Um Eggs start to pop and boil, and she hears a growl. Opening the fridge, she sees a portal to another dimension, I guess, is, is best I can work out with, like, pyramids and stuff like that. And we hear uh, uh, one of the terror dogs, I think it is, goes Zool or something. And she slams the fridge shut, and and, and we're done with that scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, we it looked got, really yeah. good. Like, it did look whole, really good. Yeah. Yeah, the the all of the effects of this movie are really good. I I was listening to that uh, or watching that um, movies that made us, and they just talked about how you know these things can only be twenty frames long or whatever. They they only I think that this movie has good effects because you don't see them for very long. If they hung out any longer, then they would look kind of rough. And this movie was actually made in a very tight time frame i think that they only had they had like less than a year one of the um because of some previous success that they had had uh with ivan reitman and bill murray and, and dan Aykroyd being uh very popular and, and successful at the time uh stripes had just made a bunch of money 
they were able to get this movie pretty much instantly approved. As soon as they pitched the concept of it, they it was approved. Um, but they did need it need it to. Uh, uh, they wanted it as a summer blockbuster, so I think they had less than a year to to make it. Uh, I'm trying to find the exact uh, uh, time frame. Ooh, I just saw that it was released on the same day as Ghostbusters, or as uh, same day as uh, the Gremlins, which is pretty funny. Those are that's another great movie we should watch. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I I know that it was it was a really tight time frame they had to turn it around in, and so a lot of the uh, a lot of the effects are like. Okay, so I'm going to go off on a, on a tangent here. Um, at this time, there's one major, like, uh, special effects company that, or that's one that's really good and is premier, like, type stuff. Uh, it's called ILM, Industrial Light and Magic. And they did a lot of the effects for, for Star Wars. And so they're, like, the leaders in the game at this time. Um, there were some employees who had felt that ILM got too big and they went off to start their own effects studio called Boss Studios. Um, Boss Studios did the effects for this because I think ILM was doing, uh, uh, I want to say they were doing a, a different film or, uh, I, I don't know if I'm confusing it with another movie review I watched earlier today. Um, but they, they used, uh, Boss Studios, uh, who could turn around the effects for them pretty quickly. Um, but because this movie was had like such a tight filming schedule, they were basically sending things off and and then they'd get them back and they'd just throw them right in the movie and then move on. It, this movie was just kind of constantly progressing forward and it's kind of amazing that it turned out as well as it did. But even the director like talks about, uh, like Ivan Reitman talks about like when we first cut the movie together for like the premiere, like there was a lot of janky like special effects like you'll see like the building shaking and like matte paintings that were like for test shots basically um including the first time that we see mr like the stay puffed marshmallow man um when he's walking you just see his head bobbing that was like a test shot that they ended up just throwing in the movie uh because they needed to get it turned around uh this uh here's the actual trivia for that the schedule for them getting the movie into theaters for its re uh, for its release date in summer of 1984 was so tight. Director uh, Ivan Reitman said that the final print included incomplete special effects shots and errors like visible wires, but remarkably, people didn't care. So, yeah, it was a very tight filming schedule, and and um, but I think that they got around some of those janky special effects by just having them shown for a very short period of time or people just not caring like i don't think people actually look at matte paintings that closely so i don't think there's there's anything to worry about there for the most part as long as it's yeah. not like in your face yeah um, and i usually kind of look for that kind of stuff but i didn't even really notice anything in this movie that might be just because this movie's just so awesome i just was too into it you know it moves quickly and i think yeah you, you definitely like overlook some stuff um the, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man suit costs approximately $20,000 each. There were three made, and all of them were destroyed during filming. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Man, Michael Keaton turned down the roles of both uh, Dr. Peter Venkman and Egon Spangler. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So, getting back to the plot. Uh, where was I? Uh, we see an amazing ad for the Ghostbuster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so she sees the portal. Okay, and then we cut over to uh, 
Ghostbusters HQ. Um, and Stance has found a car, and we'll later refer to this as Ecto-1, but he says that it needs, like, suspension work and a transmission and all the shit, and I'm like, why Why did you buy that? That's That sounds like... I know that they're probably pretty strapped for cash, and I think they allude to that later, but uh, yikes, that, that car's pretty rough, and, and uh, he's he does a lot of work on it. I think when, uh, when we see Dana Barrett walks into Ghostbusters HQ, he's working on it. Um, on the same mat that we see uh, Finn Wolfhard working on it in the trailer for the new Ghostbusters Afterlife. So that's exciting. I like those little callbacks. Um, Bankman chats with Janine and oh my God, this is how I feel at work because she's just very like over it. She's very, uh, she's very dry when she's talking to him and he, uh, he heads over to his office and uh, out from under the desk crawls Spangler. And uh, Spangler declares print media dead in 1984, which I felt like was a little bit early, but, I mean, he was eventually right. Yeah, he was before his time. Janine talks about her uh, talks about her uh, interests, and, he's, and she asks uh, Spangler if he's got any interests or what he likes to do for fun. And do you remember what he says here? No, I don't remember. He says, I collect spores, mold, and fungus, and then he walks away, <laughs> which is great. I love his delivery of that. There was supposed to be a relationship between, they were going to have a, like, them build, like, a romantic relationship between uh, Janine and uh, Egon, but yeah. eventually it was just edited out the movie. I wish they would have kept that in, because these two are, like, my favorite characters, and I wish they would have been together more in this movie but yeah i don't want to know they, i don't want to know spoilers i'm just fingers crossed for ghostbusters 2 that they're they're together we'll see okay we'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um I'm, I'm gonna find out I'll, I'll probably watch ghostbusters 2 pretty soon here because i'm i'm riding this ghostbusters I, I think actually i'm gonna go pretty ham on ghostbusters for the next couple weeks because i i liked watching one so much that i think i'm gonna go watch two pretty soon here and then uh We've got another couple movies coming up, uh, including a brand new one. And I think I'm actually going to play the Ghostbusters video game because it's canon and ties into the story of Ghostbusters 1. The NES uh, video game? No, I was going to play the uh, the one that I, I have it on the Epic. Uh, it was free on like the Epic Game Store. I forget what the full title of the game is. It might just be Ghostbusters the game. Yeah, because I remember there's like a NES game that I saw... Um... Yeah. Angry video game nerd do a review on and he said it was that, good. Oh, really? Did that? I mean, it seems like, yeah, it seems like the kind of cash grab, like movie tie in yeah. type thing, but did it have story? Was it canon? Uh, no. I think it was okay. just go here. It, it, from what I remember, it was kind of more like a, like the early Grand Theft Auto games, kind of. It was like oh, a okay. top down, top kind, down of kind of catch ghosts or whatever, blast them. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, that sounds cool. I don't I don't think I have anything to play that on anyway, so I don't have any old consoles or anything like that. Uh let's see. Um what is this game called out of curiosity? Uh, I think I've got it right. It should be right here. Ghostbusters the video game. Yep, I have Ghostbusters the video game remastered and it's got stay puffed uh marshmallow man on the front and our main four. So maybe I'll go play that. You know? Um, I actually would love to get that on my Switch. Oh, can I get that on my... Okay, I might go buy that on Switch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
back to the plot. <laughs> um, Dana talks to Janine. Uh, so Dana Barrett walks in. This is where we see that, you know, Stance is working on the car and uh, walks in and talks to Janine. Uh, Vakeman takes a, a running jump like like a groundhog. He, he, he hears a woman's voice in, in their office and he peeks out and then he, uh, he takes a running jump over the railing. And I don't know if you noticed it, but like... He clips the railing a little bit, and I thought he was going to fucking eat shit. Like, I thought it was going to be real bad. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's funny. No, yeah, it's great. I have to go back and watch this. This is yeah. like, you're, like, picking up all these small things that I know made the movie better. I know i probably seen them, but it's just like, I can't, I just don't remember. I have to go watch it back and find all these small things. Yeah, when I do these, I, I watch a lot of... um like when I write these plot reviews, I go back and I watch I watch other people's reviews to kind of hear like what their thoughts were, hear what they picked up on, and and use that to like kind of uh, round out my own opinions. And then I will watch like uh, things like the trivia, like the movies that made us and stuff like that. And so in one of those, uh, somebody was talking about how like this is the type of movie that you can watch once, enjoy it, go back, see more, and then after a certain point. Like you, if you watch this movie enough, you can just watch it and follow a character all the way through it and just see like what this character does. Because there's a lot of stuff. Like a lot of this movie is filmed in wide shots, so even though the attention is on Vankman or on Stance or whatever, other characters are doing stuff. And like, like I, I think that uh, Lewis Tully's character, uh, you know, Rick Moranis, he's always doing something funny, no matter where he is in the shot, as long as he's on camera, like, he's doing something silly that doesn't distract from it, but if you catch it, it's great. Um, so, there's a lot of, a lot of fun little things, and yeah, I feel like you can watch this movie ten times and still come away with something new, um, every time. So, uh, yeah, he takes this running jump, always, oh, he clips the gate, and I think he's gonna eat shit, but he doesn't, uh... Dana tells them what she saw and how she heard a voice say Zool. Spangler says she's telling the truth because he says, like, there's no indication that she's lying, which I don't know why she would. But uh, I guess if, you know, they're a ghost hunting agency, they want to vet people. Makes sense. Um, they hatch a plan. Uh, Vankman takes her back to his place or uh, t- takes her back to her place to check her out. I mean, check out her apartment. He's going to take a look around. Uh, Stance and Spangler are going to look into uh, what she, the words that, you know, what she heard and, and saw. Um, so they they go back to <laughs> they go back to her place and this is probably my favorite scene in the movie because Bankman walks in, he's got this machine under his arm with like a pump and like a, like, looks like an old, like, microphone that he's like sticking out, like he's uh, pumping something into the room. He doesn't even know what he's doing. Um, he yeah. walks in and he like lifts up the little thing on the uh, on the piano and t- like jingles the two keys on the far end and he's like <laughs> he's like they hate this. I do it. He's like I like to torture them. <laughs> It, which is it's so fucking good um he's walking around pumping the stuff in in the room and she says uh what are you doing and he's like uh he like he doesn't even fucking know and then he goes starts to head into her bedroom and she's like she's like that's the bedroom she's like but nothing happens in there and he says something like uh oh, what a crime and she kind of like figures out what he's doing eventually they make it over to the kitchen and uh uh I think he says, like, are these the eggs? Which, <laughs> like, of course they are, dude. Like, she hasn't been back to her place in a couple of days, it seems like. But, so the eggs are still on the counter. Finally, he takes a look in the fridge, and oh my god, the junk food. He talks about how much junk food there is, and um, there's nothing in the fridge. But the chemistry between these two is dope. They have a really great back and forth here. Um, just... 
they're they're really great and there is chemistry between them that i i really enjoy and just he's so funny and um this is where she's kind of like kicking him out of out of her apartment and uh he's he's saying like he hatches a plan basically is like i'll figure out this this problem for you and then you'll be you'll be into me and uh some of this stuff could be like creepy like a lot of bill murray in this movie could be weird but it just isn't because he's kind of charming like from a 2021 20, perspective I, I was kind of like ooh, there's there's some stuff later we're gonna get but uh and also i have a question was bill murray ever like seen as attractive um yeah so when so when he first showed up on screen and i saw uh-huh. like he's young i was like golly bill murray was ugly when he was young because like just like certain people okay yeah. i guess i shouldn't say he's ugly but there's just certain actors. Well, he's losing his hair. Are... He's losing his yeah. hair even in this, and his face is kind of like pockmarked. And I don't. Th- and like I, I was, yeah, I was surprised too because I was like, he's fairly young here, and like he's funny. He's got that going for him. Like he's very funny, which is which is great. But yeah. Um. But I, like he's like flirting with the young girl at the at the beginning, and then he's trying to like put the moves on to on uh, Dana Barrett and and stuff. And I'm like. Hmm. Okay. I I just don't know. I I lose a lot of historical context for this stuff. Like, cause you you said like Sigourney Weaver looks like like attractive in this, and like I've never found her attractive, but I think it's because I know her as like the lady from Avatar. <laughs> oh yeah, but I I thought she was beautiful. I think. yeah. Um, Annie Potts is gorgeous in this too. Um, I like Janine. Janine's a lot of fun, and the yeah. the whole Ghostbusters "What do you want?" thing is like one of my favorite yeah. things in this movie. She she could have played uh, freaking Harley Quinn in like um, the Tim Burton Batman movies. She's got that it been fun. That'd be good. Um, I, I could especially see her as like Harley Quinn pre falling into the stuff when she's still like yeah. a, a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, but Bill Murray is just like, because like some actors, um, you like, they're like typecast as like the ugly actor or like the ugly person. But then you see them like younger and it's like, oh, wow, this person was like really hot. Kind of yeah. like like um, uh, Clint Eastwood, where he's like kind of now he's just kind of he's like you feel like he's always been old. But then when you watch like his like cowboy movies and stuff he's like oh wow clint Clint eastwood was hungry oh yeah yeah but like the ugly style yeah yeah bill murray i don't think he's ever been hunky you know no so then this kind of stuff kind of comes off as creepy but it's funny so well yeah and it would be creepy even if he was attractive like it's (laughs) there there's just there is some there is some creepy stuff i think that there's a part later on that where he it doesn't go where you're like i was worried that like from an 80s perspective i was like yeah like, i i don't think that at, about, yeah. nothing that he's doing in this movie is like over the top from an 80s perspective it's only now that watching it in 2021 so i think for for the time it is what it is i, I know the way that i feel about it now but there's a, a point later on where it's like you're expecting it to go the 80s route and and it doesn't and and it's it's nice, and then he does something that's kind of weird, but it, it never... It could have been a lot worse, I think, is, is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. But it's not uh, it's not Revenge of the Nerds or, you know, any, any of those or movies. Porkies. Yeah, yeah. So, 
uh, back at Ghostbusters HQ, they're sitting around, they're having uh, dinner, and uh, Vankman says, you know, I need to get a little bit of the petty cash out of uh, out of the till to take her out to dinner, you know, make sure we don't lose this one. And uh, Stance lets him know that, hey, this you better enjoy this meal because this is the last of the petty cash. So they are down on their luck. And Janine gets a call. And... Uh, what did I write here? Janine gets a call, and we've got one. We've got actual work. And she hits the siren, and they mobilize. They slide down the pole. They get ready. They hop in Ecto-1. They haul ass in Ecto-1, and it's very clearly sped up, the tape. Um, I, I heard that uh, Jason Reitman was talking about the new Ghostbusters Afterlife, and they actually, like, rebuilt the engine of, like, Ecto-1 and, like, actually gave it some power, so it's actually doing the, like, drifting through the cornfield and stuff that you see in, uh, in Ghostbusters Afterlife, so... That, that makes me excited. But, yeah, it's clearly sped up here. And um, they, they rush down to, downtown to where there's a uh, hotel, and they meet the manager. And he lets them know that there's a uh, ghost, and he, he wants them to, or there's something going on. I don't know that he knows that it's a ghost, but he wants it handled discreetly. I think that actually on the phone, uh, when Janine gets the call, she says, um, yes, they're for real. Yes, they're very, and of course, we'll be very discreet. And then they show up in like their full gear and shit full like that. Gear, he, yeah. yeah, and the manager's trying to keep it on the down low, and and they're like, oh yeah, we'll be totally discreet. And they walk over to the elevators. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh uh, no, just just one fun fact. Um, if you're a fan of the Crash Bandicoot games, uh, the hotel manager actually plays the voice of the doctor of Doctor Nefarious in oh. um the. Crash Bandicoot games. Oh, that's fun. That's yeah. awesome. Like, yeah, all of them, which I thought was pretty cool. That is dope. I haven't played the newest one, but I need to. Um, so they head over to the elevators, and we get a great back and forth here, uh, where uh, there's a guy standing next to the elevators. He goes, "What are you guys like? What are you, some sort of cosmonaut?" And he says, "No, we're exterminators." There's a cockroach on on the twelfth floor, and he's like. Must be a pretty bad car- cockroach. And he says, yeah, they'll bite your head off. And then they hop in the elevator um, on the way up to the 12th like, floor. And he's like, you're going up? And he's like, I'll take the next I'll, one. I'll take the next one. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> that sounds great. Like, I love the banter in this. And it's it's funny. I don't know. So this is probably sacrilege to some people. But I like this movie for the same reasons. Like, it's great up and down. But one of the reasons that I like this movie is the same reason that I like Kevin Smith movies is that... The verbal dialogue comes at you so quick. The way that it's played is so funny, and like it's just joke after joke, and it's it's great. Like it's just infinitely quotable, and that's what Kevin Smith movies movies are to me. So, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't put you know Ghostbusters in the same category as Kevin Smith movies, but there's definitely an element there that I really appreciate of uh, the uh, just the verbal di- like the verbal uh, humor dialogue. So, um. They head up to the 12th floor, and on their way up, uh, Stance mentions that they've never turned on the packs before, and they've never tested them. Um, and Egon flips on his pack, and then here's, like, another great part of, like, subtle humor that I that I really appreciated, is that he flips on the pack, you hear it kind of whir up, and then Vankman and, and Spangler just kind of shuffle off to the side of the elevator, like, away from St- Ray. Um, which I, I thought was hilarious just to see them kind of like move away from it because they don't know what it's going to do. Um, they get off the elevator. Uh, all of their packs are on and they start to walk down the hallway and they hear something. They flip around. They blast the, the maid's cart and she goes, what the hell are you doing? 
It's really funny. I thought that was great. It's, it's fucking awesome. They almost killed this fucking maid. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Holy shit, they almost killed a maid. Lol, she yells, what the hell are you doing? Uh, they decide to split up and Stance, uh, Ray Stance finds Slimer. Uh, he, he rounds the corner and he sees Slimer's eating off of like a food tray and it's it's kind of creepy because it's just like he's putting in his mouth it's falling straight through him <laughs> which I guess makes sense but how did he pick it up in the first place and then yeah it's it's a creepy image um, yeah. Ray takes a shot and misses and the ghost flees it flies through a wall and next it finds Vankman and we get a great uh, scene here where Vankman uh, pulls out his radio and says Ray Ray I found it and he says something like, he's an ugly little fucker or something like that, isn't he? And he's like, I think he can hear you. And he's like, well, just stay there. He won't attack you. And then at that moment, Slimer flies down the hallway at uh, Vankman. And I was listening to a podcast today where they were talking about uh, about this scene of like, it's hard to divorce yourself from a movie if you've seen it a bunch of times already and you know it's fine but like seeing something in the theaters for the first time like if you haven't seen this movie before they cut away as it's fly, like after it flies at him and we don't know if he's dead <laughs> but Ray, we we cut to Ray who's running to find him and then he rounds the corner and we see that uh, Vankman is laying on the ground and he says he slimed me and which is like that's the worst they can do to you which is you know they're kind of setting up the stakes of this world and and we don't know what it is at this time but um i mean it's hard like i say because i knew he was going to be fine to feel like the real tension of it but i wonder what going in people thought about that yeah i wonder if you saw it in theaters and let's just say it was the um the, there was the original where like that didn't you say that was supposed to be ernie hudson's character that got slimed? yes yeah yeah so i imagine like if you saw like if it was like your first time seeing it and like don't really this is like you know ernie hudson's not really a big actor you would probably really think like okay he actually died that like, guy did he died. get fucking killed yeah. <laughs> yeah but like what bill murray's like nah bro bill murray's not gonna die yeah yeah especially you know by this point you know he's the star of this film like he's yeah. the protagonist so um they 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 hear over the radio from Spangler that the the Slimers made his way to the ballroom. They head down to the uh, to the main floor of the hotel, and they head into the ballroom, locking the doors behind them. Um, and they see that the uh, Slimers flying around a chandelier. Uh, Egon thinks it's a good time to explain that they shouldn't cross the streams because it would definitely be a bad thing. Uh, and then we get Vankman. Vankman says, "I'm fuzzy on the whole good bad thing. What do you mean bad?" Bangler says, try to imagine all life, as you know, stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. And Ray Stance says, uh, total protonic, uh, total protonic reversal. And Vankman goes, right, that's bad. Okay, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon, which I think is hilarious. The way that he says important safety tip is one of my favorite things in the movie. It's great. <laughs> um, and now they... It, like coordinated like they coordinate their shot and they blast the fuck out of this ballroom they destroy everything they they drop the chandelier um they they're chasing the the smile uh, the slimer around the ballroom blasting shit um we cut like outside the ballroom and there's somebody there for like a, a gala it looks like um and the manager just hears what's going on inside the ballroom and he's getting more and more uh more and more nervous about what's happening in there 
and um, yeah, it's it's with good reason because they've they've torched the entire place basically. Um, eventually, yeah. uh, <laughs> at one point, uh, Vankman they're they're moving stuff out of the way to 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 attack the Slimer again, <laughs> and Vankman says, "Hang on, I've always wanted to try this," and he rips the tablecloth out and breaks everything on the table and he goes the flowers are still standing and it's the awesome the flowers are still standing oh okay it's great it's amazing because yeah. he breaks everything on the table <laughs> um, have you ever they, done that have you ever like had an opportunity to try that i definitely have i don't remember i don't think it was successful i don't remember when it was either but i definitely have tried it <laughs> Yeah, I think I've it, tried it too, and definitely have broken some of my mom's plates. It's I don't think I broke good. anything. I think it just stuff tipped over, but not a big deal. But I, yeah, I, I remember watching the MythBusters episode where they they proved that you can do it, and then they try to do it like on a massive scale with like a like a I think they use like a golf cart and like this long ass table. I'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah, I was just, I was literally just about to say, I haven't seen that episode, but I was like, did they attach it to a car and try to drive off? With Something, it? they try to yank it really quickly, like, you just have to do it quickly enough, and it's, it's like, uh, it's like Newton's third law of, like, you know, an object at rest wants to stay at rest, and it's just, you have to yank it out before, like, the inertia of the object, like, where it actually starts to move. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right, so they blast Slimer and trap him, and there's a great quote right here where um, Ray says, don't look directly into the trap, and Spangler goes, Ray, I looked into the trap! <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Which is, like, the only, like, unkind of... That's not, like, a total, like, Egon moment, where, like, because he's usually very, like, deadpan, but uh, I, I really appreciate that. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, they trap Slimer, and they, they bust out of the ballroom, and this is where we get the quote from... Uh, from Bankman, where he goes, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass, and it's a, it's great. Love that. <laughs> they tell the manager it'll be five thousand dollars, and he says he didn't know it would be so much. He won't pay it. So they're just like, well, we'll just put it right back in, Ray. And then Ray starts to walk in, and then he quickly changes his tune, and and they get paid. And the Ghostbusters are now on the map. This is where we get a quick uh, montage of uh, newspaper headlines as they've you know skyrocketed in popularity. They're taking down ghosts. I think one of them says, do ghosts deserve civil rights? Because they're, like, incarcerating them without a, yeah. <laughs> without a trial. Um, and also in this, well, this is the probably the, the most we're going to have to say about this movie. In this little montage, do you know what I'm about to talk about? Um, no. There's a clip of Ray. He's laying uh -huh. in bed. A ghost is hovering above him. Oh, yeah. I was, it, like, what uh, is I was like, what is this? It, I undoes, know. it yeah. undoes his pants, and then we see a look of pleasure on his face. So was that a dream, or did that actually happen? So in one of the things I watched today about the movie, uh, apparently this is a deleted scene where... Um, because they, they filmed a bunch of stuff that didn't ultimately make it in, and, and there was, you know, a lot more for uh, Winston Zeddemore to do in the initial cut. There's a scene where Winston and Ray uh, go on a job in, like, upstate New York, and it's in, like, a, a like a historical, like, bed and breakfast, and something or other happens where they have to spend the night there, 
And so, like, somebody was saying that in this shot, if you actually look closely and it happens quickly, there's, like, a stanchion in the bottom right-hand corner of the shot um, because he's in, like, a historical bed and breakfast, like, sleeping in one of the beds. And the ghost shows up, and it's played for nothing other than, like, it'd be funny if a ghost gave a blowjob. So, yeah, this is a scene that got cut, and I think that that was, that's all that it was, but... So, but, you know uh, what? You know what? I... I know this isn't connected, but I'm uh-huh. gonna make it connected. And now this is canon. So, have you ever watched the the Casper movie with Christina Ricci? I haven't, but I know where this is going. Yeah. So there's a scene in there where they're trying to get uh, Casper's uncles out the house, right? So they call Ghostbusters, and so uh, Dan Aykroyd comes in in character. Um, yeah, like as Ray Stance. Like, yeah, as Ray Stance, and then he's like. And then, like, he gets scared out of there, and there's like, and he comes, he comes running out, and he's like, "Call someone else," <laughs> and right, yeah. And mm-hmm. then, so, even though I think that movie happens in Maine, I think, yeah. I think it happens in Maine. I'm just gonna retcon it, and it happened in upstate New York, and that deleted scene actually was uh, happened in Casper. And I'm just going to say it was probably, uh, sticky that, I mean, not stick stinky that, uh, did that to, uh, Ray. In okay. My, uh, good. I thought you were so. about to imply that, that Casper blew Ray stance. No, no. Casper is wholesome. <laughs> it had to be one of the uncles. It, it was, uh, okay. it was stinky. Okay. Good. Casper's wholesome. You would never do something like that. Never. Um, all right. <laughs> But uh, I think that this is actually, like, we see kind of reference to this scene later because there's one part where, like, Winston and and Ray are in the the Ecto-1 driving across the bridge back to downtown. And it's kind of, like, not explained why they're off on their own. I think it's because initially they were coming back from that job that they had gone up to to like upstate New York to handle that and they were coming back and that's why that's why uh, that's like before Ray comes back and he's talking about like metallurgy and stuff like that and the the structure of the building and we'll get into all you know all that junk yeah was this the Um, part where they were driving at night yes yeah okay so Ernie I mean uh, Winston said um, Mm -hmm. he just says this thing and it just stuck in my head and it was like I like Jesus's style and I'm like, and in my head, I'm just like, I I know what he meant, but I'm just like thinking visually, Jesus and like jandals and like yeah, cloth that's robes what, and stuff like that. I just that's I what like it, that's stuff. what it means to me is is uh is Ernie Hudson's a big fan of sandals and and robes. Yeah, Jesus' style. Yeah, Jesus had Jesus had style, and he doesn't yeah, get enough drip. credit for it. Yeah, His, Jesus is true. <laughs> Um, uh, I was going to make a joke but I don't understand your kid language the the youth using the words like drip I was going to say like does his does he turn his drip from water to wine but I think Uh, it's it's dumb we don't have to you know what leave it alone leave it alone we'll just cut that part cut that out uh, bleep it just bleep that whole section I will do no such thing God damn it. Okay. Well, uh, so 
after this. So it's funny because we get this whole, like, the blowjob thing. And the next note that I have is about Winston Zeddemore applies to be the fourth Ghostbuster. So clearly that scene would have taken place later if if this Winston scene was was put here. Um, which, like, nothing in it before had Winston in it. So I think it would have to come later. Uh, Winston Zeddemore applies to be the fourth Ghostbuster position and immediately gets the job. It's the easiest uh, It's the easiest interview ever. Basically, he sits down with Janine, says he wants to be a Ghostbuster, and then Ray gives him the job. And uh, I think it's just because they're so short-staffed at this point. Um, it's pretty clear that the Ghostbusters have taken off and they've got plenty of work. Because um, they're catching ghosts all over the place. Uh, Vakeman meets with Dana, and he updates her on what they know about Zool. This is when he meets her outside and updates her on what they know about Zool. Uh, she's, I guess she plays like the cello in the orchestra or something like that. <laughs> um, it doesn't really matter. Um, but they set up a date and they're going to meet and talk about Zool and, uh, also have dinner and they're going to get to the bottom of it. Um, we cut back to Ghostbusters HQ and Ray tells Winston how they store ghosts. He says, uh, if it's green, you're clear. And they've got a, uh, uh, on-site storage facility for the ghosts. And we meet Walter Peck. It's Noah from Biodome is what I wrote him in all caps. Um, and he's from the EPA. Walter asks a bunch of questions, and it's clear he's trying to learn. He's trying something. He's trying to, trying to, he's, he's got, he's got an ulterior motive. Uh, Vankman, uh, you know, pushes back and then says, uh, he, he says, well, if you don't tell me or show me where the, you know, the storage is, I'm going to get a warrant and come back. And Vankman threatens to sue him for, uh, like, unrock, un unlawful search or, you know, unlawful per prosecution or something like that. Um, uh, da -da -da -da. Walter asked a bunch of questions. Oh, yes. Uh, and then Spangler uh, explain is explaining to um, Winston Zeddemore that something very bad is on the horizon. He says, imagine that this Twinkie is, you know, like the ghost footprinter, basically. And he says... It's been growing over time. It's a 36-foot-long and 600-pound Twinkie at this point. And, uh, and then Zedimore says uh, to, to Vankman, tell him about the Twinkie. And uh, Vankman says, what Twinkie? It's, it's funny. Um, we see a lightning storm above Dana's building that awakens a gargoyle. Uh, and Lewis says, you're going to miss the party as she walks down the hallway for, to get ready for her date. And he gets locked out of his, uh, his apartment again. There's like a running joke of him getting locked out of his apartment. It's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. And they don't, I like it because they don't like, they do it, but it's not like, not until later in the film where he's like, help, I'm locked out. And he yeah. starts banging on it. It's just kind of subtle. And then it gets more and more. I yeah. Like yeah, and it happens to him a couple times, like two or three times, and it's yeah, he gets progressively more. Uh, uh, con uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like animated about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So we see that the yeah the the lightning awakens a gargoyle on the top of the building. Uh, as Dana waits for her date to begin, uh, a light comes from. Uh, she's on the phone with her parents, and she does like the perfect like parent conversation of like, "I'm fine." I, like yeah 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 okay i've gotta go i've gotta, gotta get ready for my date and then um uh we see kind of the camera pans around and we see a light coming from behind her door and she notices it and then arms come out of her couch grab her and she gets pulled through the doorway into the light um we cut back to lewis's party and he's uh he's doing this perfect like ad lib where he's uh 
he explains that you know he turned his party into a promotional thing by inviting clients um, and then he talks about like the price of everything uh, and it's all ad-libbed by by Rick Moranis it's really great I have a piece of trivia here uh, when Lewis Tully mingles uh, with his party guests commenting on the price of salmon and so on the scene is one continuous shot and almost entirely improvised like he's walking around he's like yeah I get that for he's like that's 22 bucks I get it for 14 bucks with my discount blah 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 and then like people come into the party and he's like yeah, this guy does so. He does this and that, and he runs his own business. And she's got a, uh, you know, deferred uh, bonus or something like that. Like he's he knows everybody's uh, accounting info, and I think he just yeah. plays it very well. That character, Lewis mm-hmm. Tully, was originally supposed to be played by uh, John Candy, and he had a much different uh, vision for the role. He wanted the the character to be German and have like schnauzers or something like that, and it didn't vibe with Ivan Reitman, so. Uh, they they kept looking and eventually found Rick Moranis for it. Yeah, that scene I <clears throat> I really like when movies do like that that one shot. Yeah. Um, thing and I yeah. just when I saw it I was like oh this is so good I had to go had to rewind it back and watch it again it's really good. Yeah. He kills it. I actually I'm I'm actually stoked that like I was thinking about renting these movies and if I had rented these movies like my my the Ghostbusters one rental would be over by now because I think they're like generally like 24 hours um, or I guess 48 hours so I might have another day but I decided to buy them on my Vudu account and I think I spent $22 for Ghostbusters 1 and 2 and I think like I'm going to get infinite watchability out of these like I think I'm going to watch them a billion times each so yeah I just went on ahead and rented it yeah but it was I should have went ahead and bought it but it was really good there's certain movies like I, I realized at one point that like uh, I had I had Back to the Future, but I had it on DVD, and I was like, mm, I need like a, a Blu-ray or like I need a uh, uh, yeah, it was on DVD, and I was like, I need a Blu-ray copy. I need like a, a high def version, so I went out and bought it. And like, there's certain movies I just like to own, and and Ghostbusters is definitely in that tier of movies I think that I should have in my collection because it's not going to be on like it, it wasn't on Netflix or any of the streaming services, so I was like, ah. This is one I want. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you, sorry to go off track a little bit, uh-huh. but do you collect a lot of videos and stuff like that? Not like, really. I used to. Stuff? Yeah, I used to. I used to re- really be into, um, especially like my, my dad would, uh, for like my birthday and Christmas and stuff like that, he would give me movies or um, like he would give me like seasons of a TV show. So, like, I have, like, all of the seasons of Entourage, and I have all the seasons of Dexter, and I have all the seasons of The Boondocks. Um, like, I, I liked collecting those, especially, like, the box sets of, of shows, and I like to have the entire series. But I feel like Netflix and Hulu has just killed that. Like, all of The Boondocks is on, I think it's on HBO Max and Hulu. I'm like, yeah. I... I don't need the the massive amount of physical media, so I've been slowly but surely moving over to all digital media. And the only thing that I still buy physical is uh, certain video games. I'll buy vi- physical just because I can resell them or trade them in at GameStop or whatever. So. Oh, nice! Trade them in the GameStop and get five percent of what you pay. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Well, I use like I won't just go trade in the games for whatever value they're going to be giving, but they'll say like if you trade in ten games towards you know something you get half off or whatever so like i generally take advantage of some sort of deal but not anymore really gamestop yeah, i feel like I has, has uh fallen out of fallen out of favor i buy all my switch games uh physical because switch games just don't lose value at all yeah 
no any nintendo game all you people out there if you have a nintendo game you have money you're sitting on money especially if you don't play them get rid of them yeah if i like I, I, I remember when Splatoon 2 came out, I was like, I'm going to buy Splatoon 2. And I was like, ah, it's 60 bucks. I'll wait for it to go on sale. And then, like, that was when I was still young and naive. And I was like, oh, it, that shit just never goes on sale. And, like, Nintendo games are $60 forever. And I should have just bought it then because I would have been able to play it when it was popular. But, yeah. So, yeah, buy yeah. physical buy physical Switch games and sell them uh, for, you know, 90% of what you paid for them. Yeah, one uh, one of my favorite Nintendo sixty four games is Snowboard Kids two. Oh, and two, yeah, and it's so expensive. Oh, <laughs> if really? you ever get a chance, go look it up on eBay. Uh, the prices are ridiculous. Really, is that one yeah. of the ones that they put on the Switch, uh, like virtual console thing? Um, I don't know. I haven't browsed through the Nintendo sixty four thing yet. Yeah, just because I renewed it not too long ago. Uh-huh. So I don't want to renew it again and pay, you know, so I can just wait till it's time for me to pay it again. Yeah. I haven't gone through it yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Um, so back to the plot of this movie. Uh, and this movie moves really quick. Like it, it doesn't waste any time. Like you, you get like, you, you can probably tell by the plot now and, and like a lot has happened already. It just like, it go it, it, it goes. So, um, let's see, where are we at? Where, um, oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, at the party, Lewis is like, there's this chick who's like, I'm leaving. Like, I'm not like, she's not having fun. So she's like, I'm going to bail. And then, uh, Lewis is like, well, maybe if we start dancing, like other people will join in and she's just like, okay. And then we get some terrible dancing for just like a second. And then Lewis, uh, uh, walks off because uh, some guests arrive. He grabs their coats, he throws them in a room, and we see that he throws the, the coats right on top of a, a, a terror dog. Um, I believe that's what they're called. I'm going to keep saying terror dog, and then, you know, you can just edit it in post. Just edit it Just edit it over uh, over my voice with your voice. <laughs> That'd be great. And I'll make sure to deliver it in the most wacky way possible. It'll be, yeah. <laughs> It'll be seamless. Uh, the terror dog busts through the door onto the table, and Lewis books it out of his room to the street level, and the terror, terror dog chases him. And uh, I, what I really like in this scene is it's a really subtle thing, is that the type of animal keeps changing. Like, uh, he, sa- he says who brought their dog. I, I think he calls it, like, Poochie Poochie at one point. Um, the doorman, like when he runs out, says like, "Yeah, there was a bear." And then later on, when we cut back to the hotel, they're calling it like a cougar. Like the type of animal keeps changing that was was in the building. <laughs> I like that. Vankman <laughs> um, uh, heads up to Dana's place for their date, and she looks a little different. Uh, she asks if he's the keymaster. He says no, and she slams the door. Then he knocks again and says yes. And then she says, "He says I'm a friend of the keymaster." Uh, he heads in to her room. She explains that they're prepping for Gozer. Um, and she's very forward. She, she says, uh, I, I want you inside me. And he says, it sounds like there's already two people inside there. So, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I thought that was pretty I don't funny. think so. Uh, he, he tells her that uh, he, he wants to talk to Dana, and she says, there is no Dana, there is only Zool, and then she does it in a very uh, deep voice as Zool talks directly to uh, to Vankman, and he says, you have a lovely singing voice. Um, he says he's going to count to three, 
uh, and he wants to talk to Dana. He counts to three, and she levitates in front of him. Um, he makes a great joke about this later, where he's like, he's like, I like her. She's different. She sleeps on the covers, four feet or on top of the covers, four feet above him. So uh, on the scene, did the, so uh, on mm-hmm. the um, the movies that made us, did they talk about how this part was done? Because I meant to look it up because it looked really good. Because I know like they, in some movies, yeah, they do like a forklift or something like that. But this one was like, I don't know how they did it. They don't explain it, but I'm I'm 99.9% positive it's it's wires above her, yeah. a, pul- a pulley system above her that kind of pulls her up and then it rotates her. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. It looked good. So, it uh yeah, she raises up off the bed. He's kind of surprised. Um uh let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh And I said forklift, but I meant crane. <laughs> I was actually just picturing like a forklift in the shot picking her up because they didn't have the budget to do. Yeah, it's just a it's just a freaking like dump truck or like a, or not a dump truck a shit. What's it called? Like a bulldozer? What a what do you call a thing with the bucket on the front? Uh, dump truck. I mean a uh, bulldozer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bulldozer. Okay. We could have if, if it picked her up. We could have called it a bulldozer. Ah, uh, okay. Boo. <laughs> All right. Leave me alone. I make one pun. Uh, uh, we cut back. Lewis, uh, he's running from the, the terror dog. Uh, I, actually, I don't know if we cut back, but I'll, I'll mention this part really quickly. Lewis is running from the terror dog. He runs out of the building and runs to, like, a local restaurant. And he's trying to get inside. He can't find the door uh, to let him in. And uh, the terror dog... Uh, Sneaks up on him from behind. He turns around. Uh, he gets grabbed by it, and everybody looks over because he's like screaming. And then they go right back to their meal. Not a big deal. Um, yeah. Every and then he's something. Yeah. Oh, every just every time something like that happens in a movie, and it's in New York, I always think about Last Action Hero, where uh-huh. the villain's like, "I just shot a man in cold <laughs> blood. <laughs> Shut up." I just, every time, anytime there's a thing in new york and people don't give a fuck i always think about that yeah it seems like you can get away with pretty much anything in new york that's what movies have taught me yeah um lewis is possessed and he's talking about the gatekeeper he's kind of acting weird and and running around and then he runs up on a horse and he's talking to the horse about asking if it's the key master and uh the driver of the horse says you know i make the deals he just he just pulls and and then he his eyes turn red and he threatens the uh Threatens the gatekeeper and then runs, or threatens the uh, the horse driver and then runs off uh, talking about the gatekeeper and the uh, the end times. I I, I guess uh, he gets picked up by the cops and they don't know where to take him, so they drop him off at uh, Ghostbusters HQ. Um, as uh, Egon checks out uh, Lewis Tully slash uh, I think he what does he call himself in this? He calls himself like. Rins something. Yeah, he's, I don't remember. It's got a different name. I forget what the name is. But Egon's checking him out and determines that he is the key master. Uh, and he gives a call to uh, um, Bankman, who says that he's that he's got the uh, he's got the gatekeeper over there, and Egon's got the key master. And he says we should get these two together. And uh, Egon says that's probably uh, not a good idea. Really bad idea, actually. We're not going to do that. Um, Egon says, uh, or 
I'm sorry. Vankman says that he'll head over to uh, Ghostbusters HQ to figure out what's going on. Um, Ray mentions that the structure of Dana's building is very strange. Uh, you have to look at the the blueprint, um, and this is where he's starting to formulate, uh, you know, the whole metallurgy thing. Uh, this is when they're in the car, so we're, we're actually in the, uh, the Ecto-1 on the, the bridge, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And uh, Ray's talking about the, the architecture being strange, um, and something's up with it, and uh, Winston suggests maybe it's the end times, and this is, I guess, where he said he likes Jesus' style. Yeah. Uh, back in... GBHQ, which is what I'm calling it from now on, Ghostbusters headquarters. Uh, Walter Peck shows up on force with EPA. He wants to shut down the protection grid, and they warn him that that would be a very bad idea. He commands them to shut it down, and all hell breaks loose. Uh, this is like, there's a, the guy in the blue helmet who's just like, uh, you know, a lowly union employee who is uh, getting told what to do, tells him to flip it off and... Um, so they turn off the protection grid and they release all of the ghosts that they've caught and there's a big beam of light out of the top of the building and all of the ghosts are uh, are set free in New York and all hell's breaking loose and Lewis says this is the sign and Peck blames uh, Walter Peck blames the Ghostbusters for the mess as ghosts swarm New York the Ghostbusters are locked up in prison or in, in jail until they can uh, get uh, bailed real out quick. Mm-hmm. real quick just a small aside. So when, um, so when they're the, e, um, the EPA guy is telling them to um, shut it down, and they have the cop there too. And uh-huh. um, what did um, Vekman say? Vekman said something to uh, the EPA guy, and then the EPA guy was like, "Arrest that man! Arrest him now!" And then the cop says this thing, which uh, he says. Shut up! You do your job, pencil neck, and I'll do mine. Uh-huh. And I was just like, "That is such a weird insult." That is so <laughs> old. And then it just reminded me of my job. I work maintenance, and uh, the maintenance guys and the IT guys. There's like a little beef between these people. I don't get oh, why. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so one of the maintenance guys, one like it was like a couple years ago he called an it guy a pencil neck and i was just like (laughs) that is a weird thing and then hearing in his movie it just reminded me of that like that is such a dumb stupid (laughs) insult that i think i've only ever heard in movies and i don't know it was just a dumb thing that made me laugh when i was well don't worry because later on vankman's gonna call uh Mr. or like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, he's gonna call him a mother pus bucket. So that's another one you can use. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> um, the Ghostbusters get locked up in jail, uh, but they're able to keep their blueprints, which is nice. Yeah, and Ray I wrote explains, that in my note. I was just like, yeah. what? They just but, were like, yeah, you can hang on to those, I guess. Also, I thought it was really weird that Ray and um. Uh, uh, gosh, uh, Winston, Ray and Winston wasn't there, but they still got arrested. And <laughs> Janine was there and didn't get arrested. So I was just like, what is this? What is happening? The plot determined that we needed the four Ghostbusters in jail, but Janine wasn't necessary there. So, yeah. Um, I liked also that they're, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Yeah. Uh, the Ghostbusters get locked up, but they're able to keep their blueprints. Ray explains the building is a huge antenna for uh, huge antenna for spiritual turbulence. And uh, I like that in this scene, yeah, like there's other people in the jail and they're kind of like always encroaching, like gathering around the table. Yeah, like I was that. just about to say that. It's yeah. just like, I would be interested too. I don't blame them. It's like, what are y'all doing? How did y'all get all these blueprints and stuff in here? Like, and, when, and Winston's like, this is the part where he's like, I just started here. I am not with yeah. these guys. Like, I'm getting my own lawyer. He's like, you guys are crazy. Uh, and then he's like right back on board because he says, Winston says, uh, Winston says some uh, moldy Babylonian god. He's like, we have to go in front of a federal judge and tell him that some moldy Babylonian god is coming back in its, you know, the potentially the end time. And Spangler corrects him, Sumerian, not Babylonian. And Venkman says, yeah, it's a big difference. <laughs> and then uh and then my next note just says oh shit carl on duty uh because yeah. we see fucking uh carl i want to say weathers it's not carl weathers what's his last name carl it's carl i want to say it's oh it's not johnson because johnson is the reginald name, the yeah name. yeah it's reginald Bell johnson is, is the actor's yeah. name He's uh, also in Die Hard. Yeah. He, he's always a cop. He's always a something. cop. Yep. Reginald Bell Johnson played. Uh, oh, boy, man. We are. Carl. I know it's, it's not Carl. Carl Weathers is the actor. <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Carl, so... Weathers, Carl Weathers is the actor who plays fucking Apollo Creed. Yeah. I cannot remember uh, Carl's last name in Family Matters. Winslow. Winslow. Carl Winslow. Okay, yes, yes, yes. But I always will remember, and and <laughs> this might be something that you have to pull for a visual medium. There's a meme that's a it's a Call of Duty title, and it just says Carl on duty, black cops. <laughs> and that. it's a pl- it's a play on Call of Duty, black ops. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. He, he's literally like a cop in everything. It's just like yeah. How yeah. did you? That is like a sweet. Like if I was ever an actor. I, I love this cameo. Like yeah. Yeah. I just want to be. I a only cop play cops. Yeah. Um, the keymaster finds his way to the gatekeeper and they make out. I don't know why. I don't know if this is part of the ritual, but they fucking they go at it. Um, the mayor bails out the Ghostbusters and they meet in his office to talk about what they're gonna do. Peck blame Peck blames the Ghostbusters and Vankman confirms uh, <laughs> confirms something that we were all wondering because Ray Stance says, uh, you know, everything was fine until Dickless over here turned off the protection grid, and uh, the mayor says, "Is this true?" And Vankman looks at him and says, "Yes, that's correct. This man has no dick." <laughs> and it's the best yeah. fucking line Great. of the movie. I love it. Great. Uh, the mayor decides that the Ghostbusters are the best bet, especially after Vankman uh, lets him know that he'd be saving the lives of millions of registered voters. Uh, they cruise over to Dana's place. Uh, he, well, the mayor says, "What do you need?" And then we get a shot of the uh, the National Guard, and they get a they get a police escort over to Dana's uh, apartment building, and they get a hero's welcome. And for a second, it's just fucking Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in in New York City. Like I feel like these people were all just extras that they pulled off the street and they're just stoked to see uh bill murray and 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 dan Eckert at this time and bill yeah. murray's just being bill murray like shaking hands hanging out with the crowd um they give a couple waves and then it's uh time to get down to business but right before they head into the building the street starts to crumble and they kind of fall into the thing and 
it looks like they're dead, but they're not dead. They climb out of the street and they're good to go. And then the crowd cheers and they, and we cut to inside as they're climbing the stairs <laughs> real quick. Yeah. Th- that whole scene of the ground just busting and breaking open yeah. was so effing cool. Like I, it was, it was so cool. Like, I was like, how did they, like, I don't know if this was on a set or something, or if oh, this was sure, like yeah. something they did, like, I don't know. It just looked really good. And I was just like, wow, this movie was made in 1984 and it just blows my mind. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's totally like universal studios backlot tour uh, vibes, like with the, the street yeah. cracking that way. If you've, if you've ever been to universal studios, um, the thing to do at, Bear, at uh, Universal Studios, there's a there's a couple things. The Waterworld uh, attraction, the Waterworld yeah. show, obviously number one. Uh, number two is the the backlot tour, and they do take you into like a subway station where it's like a, a natural disaster happens, like an earthquake, and the like. There's a fucking the roof collapses, like a train comes through it, like it's a whole set thing, and like the uh, water comes down the stairs. It's it's dope. But uh, I, it's it's got that vibe. I've seen that. I've yeah. seen, I think it was on maybe. So okay. So first I saw it in um, Beverly Hills Cops Two. Yeah. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen that? Yep. Yeah. So I seen it in that, and then I saw Defunct Land, and yeah. that's when I learned that was a real thing that. Like it's a real theme park thing that you can go see. I so. think it, yeah, I think it used to be its own attraction. They had something called like Disaster Response Squad or something like that. But yeah, I, I watched yeah. the Defunct Land episode on it, and uh, I'm gonna go watch that after this. Actually, this is a really cool episode. But um, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I think it's part of the backlot tour now. Is is because you cruise through there. Yeah, I need to go. Yeah, to go. you really should. I mean, honestly, if you're ever in if you're ever in Southern California, we should go to Universal Studios because that would be a blast. Uh, there's the fucking Simpsons ride. There's you can eat at uh, the whatever the chicken place is called, like Cletus's Chicken Shack or whatever is there. Um, they got rid of the Back to the Future ride, which is still devastating to me, even though it's been like 15 years. Uh, there's the Jurassic Park ride, which is great. The Mummy ride is dope. Yeah. It, yeah, if you're ever in Southern California, let's go to fucking Universal Studios. Cause, and the Backlot Tour is just so amazing. Uh, the Jaws portion, you, you pull up and Jaws comes out of the water right next to the, the, the tram. It's really cool. Um, Sounds dope. It is, it is really cool. Uh, they tell you about, like, they flood a whole street and they tell you about how, like, uh, uh, in movies, in order to make the rain show up on camera, they, it's like two parts water, one part milk makes it kind of like really? white and appear, yeah yeah it makes it white and appear on camera and they just use like sprinklers on top of buildings to shoot water wow yeah cool shit i, I love the backlot tour like unironically it's like it should be something so stupid but it's so cool um you see the norman bates house it's a whole thing yeah okay so uh the key master finds his way to the gatekeeper they make out yeah yeah every uh yeah the, the street breaks open they get sucked into it uh they they climb out like heroes that they are and then it cuts to the interior and they're climbing up the stairs and they're totally out of breath and uh they uh i think ray says like we're in the teens now like as far as like level of floor and uh uh winston says let me know when we hit 20 so i can throw up and uh it's pretty funny um 
uh, they get to they get to Dana's floor and they're like starting to walk into her apartment. And one of like the like underrated funny lines in this is when uh, Egon just goes, "Art Deco, very nice." It's so random, but I love it. Yeah, I missed um, that. <laughs> uh, they go into her place and they find uh, a hole blown uh, in the wall right where her fridge used to be, um, which is kind of cool. Like the the portal is like kind of leading them early on to like where the stairs are. Um, they ask where the stairs go, and Venkman says up. Uh, they start to head up there, uh, and Venkman, and then like there's like a bolt of lightning, and then Venkman lets everybody go ahead of him. Uh, they ascend the stairs uh, to the top of her building. Uh, Dana and Lewis turn into terror dogs as they arrive at the top. Uh, we get a cool line from Vagman where he goes, okay, so she's a dog. And like, I think he says something like, so what or whatever. Um, at the top of the building, there's a portal with a pyramid, and we're introduced to Gozer as now the portal is open. And uh, Winston says, Gozer's a girl, and Egon says, it's whatever it wants to be. Uh, Bankman six Ray on her, and she doesn't like that. But he walks up and he goes, "Gozer the Gozerian, good evening. As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York, I order you to cease and any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or the nearest convenient parallel dimension." And Bankman says, "That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray." And it's really funny. I like that part. Yeah, I, I wrote that in there in my notes, <clears throat> and. When I wrote it, I was like, wait a minute. New York is also the name of the county? I never knew that. Like, oh, I, I knew it was it. like, yeah. Yeah. I always knew it was like the state of New York and the city yeah. of New York. But I like never thought that New York's actually the name of the county, too. Like, which I bet it's just wow. the island. That, yeah. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I even, like, I was talking to my wife about it and we, like, even looked it up. It was like, I get that uh, that the whole island would be its own county, but like yeah. when you think of when you think of like the uh, Florida Keys, you don't think of that as like Key County, you know? I yeah. don't know. It was just a weird thing that I made this movie made me think of. Yeah, no, I I think it's interesting, but and I love his little formal speech of like yeah. <laughs> just trying to convince then, her to go back. Yeah, uh, and the sarcastic the response is great. Yeah. Um, she asks, are you a god? And he says, uh, he turns around and Bankman kind of like nods at him. And then he goes, no. And then she blasts him with lightning. She says, then die and then blast him with lightning. And I thought that would hurt them, but it really doesn't seem to. They're all fine. And Winston says, uh, Ray, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> Which I thought was great. Uh, so, that was, so I noticed that too That it didn't really hurt them It just kind of pushed them yeah. So was that like part of the thing earlier Where it said it can't hurt you uh, What he said or When Ray said in the hotel Like it's not going to hurt you Well it's clear that they can hurt them I think that they kind of set up that, that they can't be hurt by it And then uh, And then Like he gets slimed And we're kind of like okay this is pretty low stakes But like The hands pop out of the chair and grab her and possess her like i think it's pretty clear that you can be attacked like by arm. yeah depending on the ghost yeah. i guess i mean when and then when all the ghosts are released like there are some ghosts that are you know like there's like the zombie kind of taxi driver that we see in mm -hmm. new york city like i think there's different ghosts and you know just yeah probably I guess, depends yeah, I guess on it intent. Depend on the ghost. 
I hope we round that out in future future films. And that's kind of one of the things that I'm most excited for Ghostbusters Afterlife is that it seems like it's uh, it's going to be lore heavy. That this movie sets up 1984's Ghostbusters sets up a lot of the lore of like Zool and Gozer and uh, the Gozerian and like Gozerian and all that stuff. Um, and there does seem to be some of that lore. There's also like lore as far as like the uh, I think I just. It doesn't really play into this, so I, I kind of left it out for the review, but they talk about the architecture of the building and how it was designed by Evo Shandor, and, like, you don't see Evo Shandor until the, the Ghostbusters video game. So, they set up a lot of lore that gets explored in, in the video game, and I hope in, in Ghostbusters Afterlife. So, I'm hoping we'll get a, we'll get a better idea of, of how ghosts work in this universe. And I actually do hope that, uh, like, Ghostbusters Afterlife can, like, spawn a series of films and, and we can actually get some more Ghostbusters because I think it's fun. Uh, yeah. I'm not the type of person who thinks, like, like I don't ever want there to be another Back to the Future movie because I like what Back to the Future is. But, like, I'm down for more Ghostbusters movies. And I don't know what the difference is there. It's just, like, yeah, I don't think is is Ghostbusters is as near and dear to my heart and, like, any other kind of film would ruin it. However, I know at some point we will get another Back to the Future spinoff or something like that just because Hollywood can't let anything just you know lay lay let sleeping yeah. dogs lie I don't think they I think as, as long as they see a, a dollar sign they're gonna go back and do something to it yeah and I, I think Hollywood now I think they've actually gone away with the full-on reboot I think now it's more of oh no we are actually just continuing you yeah, know, 20 years later, of, it's their kids and stuff, yeah. Yeah, outside of Dune, of course. But, like, the Halloween movie, where, like, nope, this isn't a reboot, this is a continuation. Yeah. And, you know... franchises um, seem to be what yeah. does well. I think that everybody looks at the cinematic universes of, like, Marvel and says, like, we want to do that. Like, let's just keep... Yeah. Let's just keep the story going, keep building on it, and build a universe, and then spinoffs and, and all that um, one of one of these days, the the classic example of it for me, of a movie that like didn't need to be remade. They remade it. I I didn't even hear about it after it came out, but I can't imagine it was any good. Is that they redid Point Break, and like I love the original Point Break movie. They, uh, I never even heard of that. They redid wow. Point Break, like in like I want to say like I'm gonna say 2014. I'm gonna say they redid Point Break then. Uh, Let's see, when did it actually come out? <laughs> uh, 2015. And it got a 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb. So, yeah. We'll have to watch I, the new... We'll have to watch the 2015 point break. We'll have to watch them both back to back. Give our give yeah. our views on that. Have you ever seen the original? Um, I've... It's played. <laughs> it's been on my TV. I don't. I know the story, but I've never yeah. like sat down and focused oh, and watched it. I love it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Let's do um, both of the Point Breaks at some point. So my version of that is Uncle Buck. So I love Uncle Buck. Uh -huh. um, and they came out with a TV series like a couple years ago, probably like five, six years ago, and it stars Mike Epps, who outside of the Friday movies, I find absolutely annoying. And so I didn't touch that TV series at all because I love Uncle Buck and I do not want them trying to ruin like one of my favorite movies. Now, if they did it with Sinbad, you would have been all in, I bet. Um, 
Yes. Probably. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew it. I know how to cast the Stax movie. Um, and also, uh, one more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are doing another um, Sister Act movie. Yeah, I heard about which that. Which is going to be produced by Tyler Perry, which uh-huh. is fine. And it's a continuation. And so I love the Sister Act movies too. Sister Act uh, 1 is in my top 10. I love that movie. Never so, seen them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely going on the list. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll do that. We'll do a review of uh, Sister Act. Um, so it's time after uh, Ray gets, you know, says no, they get shocked. Uh, Winston yells, if somebody asks if you're a god, you say yes. It's time for action. They hop up. They, they, they do the cool thing where uh, they grab their proton packs. And uh, I think Bill Murray's character, Venkman, says, like, grab your stick. And they say, holding it. He says, like, heat him up. And, and they're like, something hot. I don't know. And then they go to blast uh, Gozer. And they miss as she jumps over them, lands behind them, and they go to blast her again, and then she disappears. And they think that they've won for a second, potentially, but they're told to pick the form of their destructor. They hear the voice of Gozer saying, you can choose the form of your destructor. Uh, Bankman kind of puts together what she means and says, oh, we get to pick who, who's the, the image of the destroyer. So, you know, keep your mind clear. Like if we think of J. Edgar Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover's going to show up and as the destroyer. And uh, at that point, we hear Do- Gozer say, like, the choice has been made. And they all look around and they say, like, Bankman's like, did no, you make no a choice? Did you choice. make a choice? <laughs> Nobody made a choice. Nobody made a choice. Look around. The yes, uh, Spangler. Spangler says, "I didn't say. I didn't think of anything." Winston says, "I didn't think of anything." Bankman says, "Well, I didn't do it." And uh, at this point, like Ray is backing up and like has a wide-eyed look at his face, and he's like, "I, I did. I just thought of the first thing that came into my head, and I tried to think of my childhood. It's something that wasn't scary." And we hear something stomping along, and they look to see that it is a hundred-foot-tall Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Um, he waddles around in town, stepping on cars, and people are freaking out. Uh, he gets to the base of the building, starts to climb up. They blast him. He catches fire, and Egon, Egon says, "It'll work the same way. It's the door goes both ways. If we cross the stream, we can do the uh, what was it? Protonic? Well, what did I what did I call it earlier? It was the total protonic reversal." Yeah. It'll work the same way. So they turn around, they head up to the the stairs to the portal, and they all cross the streams. It One blows second. up. It, it what? Before we go too far. Yep. I just have to say this thing. So when they, when he was, so when um, Ray was explaining why he thought of uh, the Stay Puff, he goes into the story of his childhood about he was at camp. Yeah. And how they used to make s'mores. Uh-huh. The camp he went to was oh. Camp Wakanda. Wakanda. Ghostbusters is in what? Oh, it's spelled different, but yes. Oh, let you get it? To... Yeah, I watched with subtitles, and it was Wakanda. W A C W A C O N D A. I'm retconning it. It was regular Wakanda. Regular Wakanda. Chadwick Boseman. Ghostbusters confirmed in the MCU. T'Challa official Ghostbuster. Yes, and here's the theory: uh, T'Challa or T'Chaka, the dad, okay. calls him over. He's like, 
hey we have this thing we have this fruit and it gives us power we want to learn more about it you know we're you're an expert in this and blah yeah, blah, uh-huh. blah 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 coming to wakanda will blah 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 will you know help us learn and then he just came up with this like you know backstory about oh it was a camp called wakanda but yeah no, he was Ray a kid though he was a kid in, scientist no no yeah he was in wakanda uh ghostbusters mcu confirmed got it good i like it and casper was there and casper and Waterworld, and it's all connected all it's connected. all connected yeah william atherton was there not as any of the characters just the actor so crossing the stream does the trick they blow and it totally blows the fu- like also Waterworld reference here where it blows the fuck up out of the building like the whole building the whole building explodes but somehow they're fine they're just covered in a little bit of marshmallow which was actually yeah. shaving cream and i read in the trivia that like <laughs> it was like William Atherton and they were like they I think they he was like oh how much shaving cream is this and like it's like 75 pounds of shaving cream and it's the whole like what weighs more 75 pounds of feathers or 75 pounds of rocks well they're both 75 pounds because they <laughs> yeah. dropped like 75 pounds of shaving cream on <laughs> on a stuntman and it like laid him out <laughs> I really hope it was menthol free because if not that would have sucked Oh, and that's why I actually looked it up because uh, after the they blow up Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, they're all covered in marshmallows except for Vankman, who's kind of like not. And apparently it's because he had like an allergic reaction to the shaving cream. So he just put a little bit on his head, but then like he still broke out in hives, I think. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I also just think it's like a funny thing of like everybody else is covered in shaving cream and he's got barely any on him. <laughs> um, so I was like, it blows the fo- like the whole fucking building up. And then I was like, and then my last note of my plot synopsis is just, they're fine. It's cool. Um, and then we get like the hero credits where they go down and he kisses, uh, Bankman kisses Dana and they're, they're stoked and they, they drive out of the crowd and they're, they're heroes and it's awesome. And yeah, this movie's tight. I love this movie. Yeah, this movie kicks butt. I like it. Just like I would have had a whole lot more notes on this movie, but I just, just you just get so sucked in, and it's just like this yeah. is great. Everybody's great. Everybody. I think totally we'll great. have. I think we'll have more to say about Ghostbusters too, because it sounds like that's going to be the more polarizing film. Ooh, is it? Do people not like Ghostbusters too? Well, just what I've heard is that it's like. Kids liked Ghostbusters because it wasn't that scary, but it was like it's a very adult film. Mm-hmm. But like they realized that like kids liked it, and Ghostbusters Two is like much more of a kid film. That's just what I've heard. Oh, maybe that's so. Why I loved it. <laughs> so it, I don't know. It, I think that it's it's kind of like a comedy, but it's also got horror elements. I, I feel like they ditch all of that in the second one. Is what it's going to be. So we'll see. We'll see next week when we review Ghostbusters 2. Then after that, it's going to be Ghostbusters Afterlife. Then maybe after that, uh, another Ghostbusters property. Yeah, maybe. 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 Everybody's favorite. Yeah. We're we're going to do a review of uh, the Ghostbusters um, TV show. The animated yeah. series. The real Ghostbusters, I the think is what it's called. Yeah. I want to watch that. I, is that available anywhere? Is that um, a Disney show? Can be. I watch it on Disney Plus? Um No, I, I don't think so. I'm gonna go check it out. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go take a look for it. Go, I might go yeah. buy I might go buy the real Ghostbusters. 
Yeah. So with so that, if you're at home, remember it's the real Ghostbusters, not Ghostbusters, because it's totally different. Totally it's, different. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the fact that like they filmed a bunch of stuff in this movie twice uh, because they couldn't call it. They didn't know if they'd be able to call it Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters is like the name of like this like 1960s TV show that was owned by Universal, and. Uh, they also filmed like everything where they would say Ghostbusters. They would also film it and call it like Ghost Breakers, and it's because they didn't know if they were going to get the title of Ghostbusters. But actually, like at the time, Columbia Pictures was owned by the Coca-Cola Company, and the guy who was in charge of Columbia Pictures had was like not meshing well with Coca-Cola. Uh, Coca-Cola kept trying to kill the the project, like trying to kill Ghostbusters as as a film like as as like the project and uh so this guy like didn't want coca-cola to kill it so he gave uh ivan reitman a bunch of control over the merchandising of the film so that they couldn't like like kill it entirely and then um because of his falling out with uh coca-cola he left columbia pictures and got immediately hired by Universal and gave the name to Columbia Pictures. So there's like this one guy, his name's Frank, I forget his last name, but he was head of Columbia Pictures and then head of Universal. And he's, I think, who we really have to thank for greenlighting the film in the first place and then making sure that it wasn't killed. And making sure that it wasn't be able to, it was able to be called uh, Ghostbusters. That's dope, because yeah. Ghost Breakers does not roll off the top. It does not sound good, no, I agree. Yeah, go check out, uh, go watch that uh, the the movies that made us uh, episode of Ghostbusters. Yeah, I always see that show when I'm browsing. I'm like, I'll get to it one day. But yeah, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of movies on there that I haven't seen. As as you and the listeners know, like I haven't seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have, but a lot of the big big movies I've seen, but like the i don't know it's kind of weird because there's some big movies that i should have seen but i've never seen Mm -hmm. i don't know there's just a lot that i haven't seen yeah well that's what's nice about this even if nobody listens to these podcasts at least we're uh at least we're um not to say that nobody does but even if like even if nobody were to listen to these podcasts uh then you know it's still fun because we get to go back and watch movies and then talk about it from a critical perspective and it's it just means that i get to watch a movie a week or i have a reason to watch a movie a week so yeah and i get to watch stuff i haven't seen and then i get to play uh the everyman i get to play the listeners like this yeah. is dumb, uh, i like know. this movie <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should call it there. But next week, we're going to be back with uh, Ghostbusters 2. And uh, look forward to that. Um, Make sure you follow us on um, TikTok and Instagram and anywhere. Go go to our Instagram. On the Mm -hmm. top of our Instagram page, we have a description. And there's a link in there. And the link has all our social media stuff, the YouTube page, which I'm going to get on that soon. And I'm gonna start uh, just uploading these full episodes, just just the audio on there, and then maybe in the future we could do some fun stuff on there. Um, but yeah, so just follow us on our socials, and you know, like our stuff, I guess. Yeah. You know. Follow me on Twitch, Jedi Ash underscore. Oh, yeah. Do that, please, because yeah. <laughs> this a little bit of cross promotion. If, if uh, 
Ash wasn't a Twitch streamer, I never would have met her. So yeah, do that. Um, you have a Twitch too, and a Spotify. Yeah, but, Promote all your yeah. shit. Uh, oh, go fuck. Go listen to me on Spotify, I guess. Oh, that feels weird. Stacks FK, the human, I think is what it is. Yeah, Stacks the human. Uh, okay. Follow me on Twitter for great content. Not really, but Stacks content. the human on Content, content at least. Content. <laughs> follow me for content. Some of it good. <laughs> Most of it bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here. We'll see you back uh, next week for Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. Bye. Peace.